This is the Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding. Brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. Wow, look at those nice white shoes! Why are you doing that? No. Oh, wait, they're... How'd you... Wow, they're... they're... Vans. Off the wall since 1960. Motherfucking six. <laughs> This episode is dedicated to the absolute legend, Eric Riedel. You will be missed by many and admired by even more for years to come. Yeah, we were extremely devastated to hear the news about Eric. Absolute legend. One of the sweetest guys you could meet. A true skate rap through and through. And just awesome guy. Miss you like crazy. Condolences to everyone close to Eric, man. This one's for you, brother. I'm D. Jones. As always, I got my main man, the ghost, with me. And we got the mad scientist, Ants One, behind the scenes. It's a cool thing, still. Ghost, every week is a big week in Studio E. <laughs> but this one, we got something special for him, man. Tell him what we're working with. Hey, man, this week, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Gorecki, ice cream. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> certified legend east coast legend doing it in la these days uh just a boss on and off the board it was a pleasure to finally get him on the pod and we taking y'all straight to the post office bruv can you believe it melvis resurfaced oh man what a barn burning post office uh and then yo the rundown it's playoff predictions the nba playoffs are finally here and uh we put all our predictions out there, man. Donald's crazy picking the T-Wolves over the Grizz. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Subscribe to us on YouTube at The Bunt Live. Head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Bunt. And then our web store, TheBuntLive.com. We got some hats up there. And also on the website, every episode logged for your listening pleasure. Ghost, shout out of the week. Got something special for me? Yeah, we got a low-key ripper doing it big somewhere in Europe by the name of <laughs> Benjamin Winther. Uh, I peeped this part off the free skateboard mag site. Benjamin Winther, man. Take a look. Fucking Manny God doing it big. Some nice one-twos. You know what I'm saying? A little switch front heel, front heel action. And then after a bunch of manis and tech tricks, he ends it with a nice one-two punch on a couple rails. Man, give that man some love. Benjamin. Well-deserved shout-out of the week. So like we said, Jimmy Garecki, a.k.a. Jimmy Sweatpants, Philly Royalty, Ice Cream, Aesthetics, Automatic Vario Heels, Switch Tails Back to Switch, you know, you know, Jimmy, you know exactly what it is. Only one thing left to do, order up some Maker Pizza. Ghost, what's on the menu? I mean, after talking to the boss man himself, I'm going to have to switch up my Dr. Pepperoni for a pep god this week. 
you know what i'm saying it's the it's the one and only and um shit i got a caprese salad the other day pure oh. fire the menu keeps expanding they keep opening new branches it's just a worldwide takeover man and uh get your maker in you today order online or via the app available on ios or android or head in store downtown queen of spadina uptown avenue road in lawrence east side gerard and carla Bluer and Dover Court, and many more to come. I just saw on Instagram, they go into Etobicoke. Who knows where they're headed next? Maker Pizza, the takeover is real. Maddie Matheson, tell them what you're working with when you order Maker Pizza. This is literally the best pizza in the world. Let's get into the interview. All right, y'all, we got Jimmy Gorecki in the building today, man. What's cracking, dog? Shit, just a uh, lazy Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, you get into it last night or Extremely what? Extremely lazy, yeah. Yeah, a little too much for the whole weekend is like kind of let loose. <laughs> uh, it was nice, though, just for once to just be able to decompress. So, But I'm feeling it now, so I got to <laughs> try to get get it back together for tomorrow. Yeah, that's what Sundays uh, are for, man, especially yeah. when football season's over. I know, yeah, yeah. Now it's basketball. <laughs> so we start every show off the same. You got to hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. My favorite skate moment? Damn, I thought about this ahead of time, too. Uh, watching Kevin Taylor, Nolly Nosegrind, the Temple Rail, it was a guest trick in Josh Kalis's part. I don't know why that one is so vivid and stands out to me. It's just like... I think it was one of like the first times I got to really go on like a, a session with those guys, um, mm -hmm. with that that crew of guys from Love Park. I remember watching Kevin battle the trick for so long. I had never seen somebody do a trick like that in real life too. Like at the time, Anali knows gone on the rail was like insane, yeah. and he and he battled and battled and battled, and then he did it so good. And then it was yeah ended up in Kalis's photosynthesis part, and uh, it just stuck out to me because it was such a. As a kid, it was like this such an inspiring moment. Like, damn, this is how this goes down. And like, this yeah. is the level, like, this is the level these guys are skating at. So it's pretty interesting, man. And hey, Kevin obviously like became like a mentor uh, to me over the years and helped me out a lot. So yeah, that, that one moment, I mean, there's so many, there were, I was lucky to be around a lot, but just to say, I remember the smell of the rail. Like it was like this aluminum. <laughs> And like he, yeah. he just was grinding it so hard every time. And you could, you could, like, you could literally smell it. You could see it, like, the fucking paint chipping off and the aluminum chips as he was grinding it. And uh, in the video, he did it perfect. So, favorite sports moment, uh, man. Oh, that's easy. It's like the fourth, um, fourth down Philly special in the Super Bowl. Oh. Like, no, <laughs> nobody saw, nobody saw that coming. Not even Belichick. Oh. Not Tom Brady. <laughs> Like they nobody saw that coming, and it was fucking perfect. So, oh, uh, we'll get into that uh, game in a little uh, bit, man. But uh, fuck <laughs> me. But yeah, those are my that's favorite. A that's a tough one. Yeah, and maybe oh. Ty Lue, like like the the Iverson three point. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a three in the oh, final yeah. steps over Ty Lue. That was really cool. So, and I didn't know. Like years later, I found out those two were there was never any any animosity. They were like they're actually really good friends, and uh, that was yeah, those two. I like how you're wearing a LA hat talking about these classic legendary Philly moments. I know, I know. It's it's uh it's grown on me over the years, you know. So <laughs> How can it not, man? Yeah, no. I I've spent 
a, a good amount of the last 20 some years here. So it's, uh, you know, my daughter's born here. She goes to school here. She has, you know, she feel like seeing things through her lens, like her friends and everything. She identifies as like a, an LA kid. So it's, uh, I mean, it's been home for 15 years now too. So as much as I love Philly and, and, you know, especially all the skaters and the scene there, it's like, I, you know, have so much love for the city of Los Angeles and the people here. I've met some of the most amazing people in my life here. So, no doubt. Well, speaking of uh, Philly, let's go back to the beginning. Where did you grow up, and how did you get into skating? I grew up um, outside of Philly in Narstown, PA. It's about uh, it's like a twenty-five, thirty-minute drive. Um, I think just like I remember seeing like an infomercial for Psycho Skate, the the video when I was real, real little, probably like eight years old. And just being like, what the fuck is this? This is so cool. And I hounded my mom to get to me the video. Because back then there wasn't no, there wasn't really many skate shops. It was like, you could find a board at like a hobby shop or like maybe some airwalks at Ross or something. But that was that was really like my earliest uh, impression from it. Like I remember I was staying at my grandparents and I'm watching these older guys drag a mini ramp or a launch ramp, I'm sorry, to the school across the street. And I was like sitting on the porch like, blown away and just watching them from from the porch is like a hundred yards i'm watching these guys launch and just as a kid you're just like your mind's blown you're like yeah holy shit you just discovered this awesome like early grabs and there was a lot of kids that skate around this is actually close there this was in coatesville pa it's close to to westchester where modern modern and those guys are from a lot of kids skated around there so like i would go meet these kids and they would just give me whatever old board they had i'd have like like two different trucks like it was just you're just putting putting pieces together man because just the like old frankenstein completely. yeah dude like it, it like dude boards would be fucking mashed up like two different wheels one gold wing truck one like veriflex truck like but yeah and then it wasn't until later on man i was probably 12 or 13 finally we got a skate shop in our neighborhood and and that was like the most enlightening thing too was like going in and like oh this is what it like a community skate shop looks like it's got the videos mm-hmm. and it's got the boards on the wall and like the first time seeing a board get gripped i was like what the fuck <laughs> this is like like newton's <laughs> this is like real like newton's <laughs> newton's law or something i was like that's how you do it like you know i was blown away so and uh at those those early memories and moments they've like never they're still so vivid to me it's like skating yeah skating doesn't really leave you you know so what would you consider would be your first big break in the skate industry? Man, probably, I think the lip sliding that rail across the street from um, from Love Park. You know, like I had, I, at that point I was already skating Love a good amount and coming downtown all the time. But Vern Laird filmed it and uh, Kayla, speaking of photosynthesis, Kayla's had actually asked me to to hold it for that. And I, and I think photosynthesis, the deadline was still pretty far out. So it was it was hard because I just wanted to get it out. Like I just knew this was like a trick that could that might like help open some doors and, you know, get a little bit of attention. And Vern ended up putting it to 411 and it was like the last trick in the opening montage. And um, and I think he said that they had mentioned that they had like, considered it for an opener. But like oh. that, that was the thing that like helped helped like just get you know start some start some conversations with some people and uh you know i just to i guess 
you know, for it to be part of like Love Park history, that was like, you know, retrospect is like pretty cool. It's like, there's so much good shit has been done there. It's like, that rail has been crushed. Now I think Blake Carpenter switched, flip back, tailed it. Um, How's that make any sense, man? I don't know, yo. I mean, I know like, like this, like Mark, like Mark did some really good lines to it and single tricks on it that I was blown away about. Um, but I guess just back in, back in the day, you couldn't skate the municipal building. So, you know, and I think for years to come, you still couldn't skate it. So it was just mm-hmm. like, to, I guess to get a trick and then you pan over and like Ave is there, Oyola, Dill, Freddie, like, you know, back then everybody would be in Philly at any given time filming, whether it was, um, DC, Alien Habitat, you'd see Girl and Chocolate guys there. You know, obviously Stevie and Josh, KT, Plahowski, everyone that was local. So it was like, it was just a good time, man. And a good, you know, the place to be during that era. So Hell yeah, dude. I actually just randomly picked a random number of 4 on 1 to watch the other day. And I just uh-huh. hit 4 on 138. And I knew we were having you on the show. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that, back that's what, it, yeah, that's what, third, 411 yeah. Four, yeah. Four, I guess 411 in general, man, when I think about, like, we were pretty lucky to have that thing, man. It's like, to give us these, like, bi-monthly, like, videos. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to see different people and the, you know, the commercials. I went down an ill rabbit hole with 411 recently, like, and I watched, I think, episodes, like, seven through, like, 12 or 13 and um Damn. and i just the, even the commercials yo the tours like it was such a unique offering man it was like it gave you a lot of information it, it you know it was like showed you a lot of different skaters different cities and you know um fuck yo like europe 95 i don't know if i'm old so oh, i had yeah. like yeah. those are like no like no that. we're right in that wheelhouse man yeah. i went i had tampa lunch. vids Yup, the Tampa one. Yeah, I had lunch with Solomon a guy not too long ago, and I was and and I remember in in, be, in the opening of the Radlands contest, Solomon with some they had uh, it was like Solomon and I think Lance Dawes and maybe Bryce Knights, and I remember just asking Solomon like, "Yo, what was that contest like? Like it looked incredible, you know." And he was like, "It was, you know, like it was it was a special one, you know." But he's like, at the same time, the contest sucked because you're ever just sitting around all day waiting for your run and. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Looking back now, though, are you happy it ended up in form one thirty eight or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, would you have preferred it to be in photosynthesis? It, uh, yeah, because it, it that was like that was like kind of the the little push that I needed to get get things going, and um, it it actually you know it's funny enough it, they they kept it in photosynthesis in the premiere copy. Like I remember going to the oh, photosynthesis shit. premiere in Philly and it was in there. And then when, when it came out, when they actually hit the skate shops, uh, Kastrusi had took it out. So I guess he just, maybe he reconsidered like, ah, oh, fuck man. You know, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, you know, their parameters for photosynthesis were, you know, the bar was so high. Like that was, that video yeah. at the time was like, you know, that was that new wave of Alien and had, had so much momentum. And it was like, you know, they were the upper echelon, the, you know, the top tier of skateboarding elite. So like that, Kastrusi wasn't going to, you know, I don't think he wasn't going to double dip anything in that, you know, it right. had to be. Yeah. And so I, I think some of those guys' parts had tricks that had been maybe reused from a, some something else. But, you know, like for a guest trick, like for sure. And, Right. The guest tricks in Josh's part were so good too. It was like Korea, KT, 
Oyola had a trick in there, which was cool because those two had a, had a history. Um, Stevie, you know, so, but yeah, that video is amazing. Yeah, one of the best for sure. The orange tape, the orange so, tape is like oh, the coolest yeah. thing, yo. Like, why'd you do an yeah. orange tape? It's like, because well, we still talk about it now, man. So, yeah, that's what, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could just put the orange tape on yourself and it just looks cool. And people be like, why you got orange VHS tape on your shelf? And like, it's the fucking, and if you don't know, you don't need to, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, you're a fan of all things Philadelphia when it comes mm-hmm. to sports specifically, and you mentioned it already. So, I'm gonna get this one out of the way early, man. I'm the biggest tom brady fan out there swear to god damn i missed out on gretzky and michael jordan so without a doubt tb12 is the greatest athlete i've ever had the pleasure of witnessing some would say his losses to eli manning in the super bowls were his biggest missed opportunities but for me it was definitely the one to nick Foles and your eagles just tell me a little bit about what that playoff run (laughs) meant for you through the eyes of a lifelong eagles fan Uh, well i think any any eagle fan will tell you uh, especially even going into that year, it's like I was pretty convinced I was gonna I'm I was gonna die without ever seeing an Eagles Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, I swear to God. And and to be, you know, there's nothing that haunts NFL organizations more than the ones that don't have a Super Bowl win. Because like the yeah. the first thing when 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 NFL shit talking starts, like the. Once somebody says, "Well, your team don't even have a Super Bowl win," you really it's can't over. say you can't say anything. There's no like, <laughs> like the Eagle. And I think if you look over the last twenty years, the Eagles are probably the most successful team in the NFC East. But like, you know, Cowboys fans, they're like, "We got five rings," even though they're fucking when Commodores were like the computers of uh, of accessibility <laughs> at the time. You know, it's like, but they can say that, you know. And then so I think Eli in, got his somehow. Yeah, Eli got his, and it was like, those were two, like, I mean, those were pretty shitty seasons for them, too. Like, eight and eight, yeah. nine and seven, but they they figured it out. But I think, I don't, you know, the previous season, you know, Wentz kind of showed some hope. Um, you didn't really know too much about Doug Peterson, but it seemed like with them getting Alshon, and they made some, some moves. So, I guess after the first couple of games, it was like, cool, something something could be happening, and... Mm-hmm. The fucked up thing was, I remember I went to, well, we went to the Eagles Chargers game here at the StubHub Center in, in Carson, and that was amazing to see them in person, and they beat up on the Chargers pretty good. But then I went to the Eagles uh, Rams game at the Coliseum, and we win, and we win the NFC East, and um, Carson's having like this MVP year, and then he and then he busts his knee. Yeah. And I remember leaving the Coliseum, and it was like they had one, they had clinched the NFC. East, uh, I think they were. They only needed one more win to to get home field through the playoffs. But it was like, uh, oh shit! Did yo. not start off good when he came in. Like I nah, remember, he, he like, he, but he came in that Rams game, and it, it like in retrospect, and and he and he made some good throws, and the Rams were on the Eagles' heels that game, and you still had to win the game, and he won it, and it was like there he mm-hmm. made two or three really clutch throws, so you know just to. Game by game, they beat the brakes off the Vikings, who had that amazing defense going into it. Um, you know, they the to get past the Falcons, that was that was the game where like there was the one play, like Foles threw it over the middle, bounced off somebody's head, and and um, Torrey Smith <laughs> grabs it. Like that was a nutty game. Um, 
But then at Super Bowl, it was like, yeah, Tom, I was still salty from uh, 2004, 2005 when we lost to yeah, the Patriots. Yeah. You know, because that was like the first half, all the speculation that come the second half that that the Patriots were recording all the play calling and it just seemed like they knew oh, every shit. single every single play <laughs> the Eagles were running. Mysteriously, guys were lined up. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. You just seemed like something was going to happen. Like, it could happen. And, um, fuck, you You couldn't write like that. No, no the, the best writer in Hollywood couldn't have written the script for that game the way it went. So Yeah, 41 was, uh, points they hung on Bill Belichick, man. Yeah. And then... I went into work that Monday, and my boss is like, I'm, he's like, oh, what are you looking at flights for? And I'm like, about to go back for this parade. I got some vacation time. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you in a week. I literally went in, bought my ticket, and then just flew, and then went right back home and looked, like told my lady I had to pack my shit and go back for the parade. So, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Dude, that's what I feel right now about my Toronto Maple Leafs, dude. I don't think it's possible we never win, man. Like... Damn, and they have. Uh, I'll keep the hope, but still, man. But what's the the, the young kid that's that's? Um, yeah, we that got was, the best player in the world right now, Austin Matthews. His, yo, Austin Matthews. I sent shouts to Austin Matthews. Uh, I was working for this little uh, bespoke sneaker company, and somehow I got a hold of him, or somehow he yeah, got a hold made of him us. Some shoes. Yeah, and like it just didn't really like my 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 coworker at the time was a bit is is from Canada, and he's a um, big hockey fan, and he was tripping. He was like. Yeah, yo, it's fucking Austin Matthews, and like, and it's funny because like, see him and Bieber are best friends, and like, yeah, he's yeah. hella cool, uh, you know. But yeah, that that was pretty pretty unique. And when I look back, I'm like, damn, we made the number one draft pick for for the NHL a pair of shoes. We made the number one draft pick for the NBA a pair of shoes too for it. Damn, yeah, that feeling you had about the Eagles, I used to have about the Toronto Raptors. But shout out to 2019, man. Yeah, we had our time. So. Back to skating, Love Park, City Hall, two of skateboarding's uh, most popular landmarks. What role did mm-hmm. they play in your upbringing, man? Oh, man, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if it wasn't for those two spots. But I, I guess, the you know, when I look back on it, like, I kind of trip out how lucky I was to, like, at the time, you know, where I found skating and, and really, like, owned in on it to have two spots like that adjacent from one another like it, it you know, it's, it's like yo i i can't wrap my head around how the how they weren't built for skating you know like but mm-hmm. the you know and then just as a kid the feeling of like rolling up to them and seeing them discovering them all you know the first couple handful of times and like understanding the dynamic downtown between you know the cops fucking you know whatever like like hustlers and you know all this shit that goes on downtown you know what i'm saying it's like it's 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 enlightening man as a kid you like the smell coming out of the fucking subway and like you know and then it, it just you had all these kids from all over the world there you know coming to skate and seeing guys that like you know i grew up seeing the oyolas in that generation and then it kind of quiets down you know and then you see stevie reemerge and you know, I remember when hearing like, oh, Josh Kalis moved to Philly uh, and then seeing him around the first couple of times in real life. And, you know, it's just all these guys, man, the Plahowskis, the O'Connors, um, you know, Papalardo. I just was I, was I was thinking about Papalardo like all last week doing this Lakai project, like skate. I skated with him so much. Uh, you know, it was just it, it, it was an amazing time, man. And 
I know other t- like Embarcadero, um, Pier Seven, places like that had like big moments, but you know, just I I don't know if skating had had ever had a moment like that with Love Park, and we'll ever have a moment where it's just like. For kids like me, it made it easy to get into the magazines. It made it easy to get into the videos. Um, co- you know, it made those conversations with sponsors easier because it just had such a a force. You know, what I'm saying that movement was so strong there that it just, you know, it was it did it did everything for me. You know, so and I and I recognized that. Like I, you know, I knew skating like i probably wasn't the best skater like there's a lot of kids that like i play a game of skate with and i couldn't get a single letter on but i knew that like yo, know, for whatever reason there's all these photographers here and um and videographers and then there's guys that are sponsored that have relationships with the tms and the brand managers like you know if you if you really get with it like you can make something out of this and and that's what i always you know that's what I always focused on when I realized like this is what I wanted to do with my life. So, mm-hmm. so who was the king of Love Park for you, man? Uh, I gotta go, Stevie. I gotta go, Stevie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just because you know I think it's you know like Stevie's career, like seeing. I feel like I studied. You know, I've stu- you study all these guys. These are you know these are these were our heroes and and you know inspirations growing up but like even watching stevie's documentary the espn one that came on recently yeah that filled in a lot of holes i didn't know a lot of like you know i'd see stevie in pier seven you know you'd see him in frisco and at pulaski but like it really put all the pieces together you know just watching him like hearing he got on chocolate in dc and then seeing the chocolate tour part as a kid like that was awesome and and that just made you want to skate love more. And then I would see him on a daily basis, whether he was filming like for the reason or for the DC video. And like no shit, Stevie would the park ranger would leave at five five thirty, and Stevie would would pull up, warm up, film a line or a trick, get his shit, and jump right back in the wheel. And you know like and be out. And you see him on South Street or see him like like just pushing through the city. You know, so and it was cool. It was like, uh, it's like this, this little Stevie, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, and now he's, um, you know, he obviously has had so many like big, like business ventures and stuff. Um, you know, I always, the one thing in Stevie's career that always stood out to me was, was his Reebok deal. It was like, you know, yeah. he had, he had already created such an awesome legacy with, with DC, but you know, like. He was the first to like, to me, that was such a big step for skateboarding, you know what I'm saying? For him to step into that role at Reebok. And, you know, I think it it was, it was kind of, it was a bit advanced for the time, you know what I'm saying? Like we were all so core skating, even though core core skating businesses like a DC were doing millions, you know what I'm saying? It still was like, whoa, you want to, like, that's a scary move to take, you know? But in retrospect, when I look at the ads and stuff and, um, you know, I just I thought it was pretty cool. So, but yeah, Steve it's just a bit too early, man. A bit too early, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I think a lot of the pioneers of shit, they often are. You know, what I'm saying they're often yep. they see it before everybody else. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Stevie's definitely one of my favorites for sure. Salute to Stevie. In 
2012 Bunt alumni and CHPO team rider Ryan Lake co-founded Skate After School in Phoenix, Arizona. What became as a small community project has since grown into a nonprofit organization providing weekly after-school programming to over 150 underserved children across eight schools. With donations, Skate After School is able to supply each student with the equipment and protective gear necessary to participate. Their team of trained volunteers leads instruction and ensures that fun and safety are top priorities. Our friends at CHPO have teamed up with Ryan and Skate After School, and next week they will release a watch that is the definition of a barn burner. Sound good? Well, you can win one today. All you have to do is email us the name of Ryan's new board sponsor and three winners will be picked. Send your answers to thebuntlive at gmail.com. CHPO brand, doing it for the people. Do you have one love park story that stands out all these years later? Whether it be something crazy with the cops? Man, or- yeah. Dude, I mean... The I when I look back on the level of of time and and manpower and energy that they would put into to like stopping skater there is is pretty fucking ridiculous. You know the city Philly's always been like a pretty it's it's tough. You know it's like got some hard like some shit that goes on in the neighborhoods is like is 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 it's bad. It's not it's not cool and it's like to think that that's where the city was like dedicating you know their their police manpower and shit was like insane because you know those guys would they would literally chase little kids down like little kids you know what i'm saying like you're chasing them for riding a skateboard but uh you know they'd have like dirt bikes come in they'd have broncos they dude <laughs> dude the level the the amount yo they would surround the place under covers it's like dude i know you could be putting this energy elsewhere you know what i'm saying like these aren't yeah. these aren't fucking violent criminals yo they're fucking skateboarders but there, there was this kid, um, Dave from Jersey. I remember the undercover was chasing him because so on the weekends, undercovers usually weren't around during the week. But on the weekends, you could bet any amount of money around noon, three or four plainclothes undercover cops would come in and just start grabbing everybody. So like all the kids on the weekends, I would try to get there early, seven or eight in the morning, and get a couple hours in, and then bolt until later on in the afternoon because you knew the undercovers would come sometimes they'd <laughs> stick around like annoyingly to like four or five you know so but one time they were ch- the one was chasing dave and he chased him across the street to the municipal building so if you go up those stairs where the rail is and you bang a hard left the sidewalk goes down and the height of the building increases and the the undercover chased him up those stairs up to this part of the municipal building, which is like, it's like a story or two to the sidewalk. <laughs> and my man oh, jumped shit. over the wall and jumped and jumped all the way down. And I was like, oh. how did he not shatter his ankles or anything? Yo, like, and we were all tripping. We were watching it from afar. I remember we were all on the side of Love Park on, um, on JFK. And we're like, damn, Dave just jumped off the fucking wall. <laughs> uh, Holy fuck. And he knew? He knew there was a drop there? He knew it was a drop, yeah, and he just fully went for it. He was like, fuck it. Like, if I got, this is what I got to do to not get caught, I ain't getting caught, you know, so. Oh, my God. Another time, I remember, I remember a cop had got Tony Montgomery's board. He went to grab Tony, and um, we knew it was undercover. Like, you, you just, you saw them, these guys coming in, and you're like, this, this dude don't even look, you know what I'm saying? He wouldn't even just be walking through. He's like, yeah. some, like, super sketchball. 
And he's walking past Tony, and then he goes to grab him, and he slips, and he get you know Tony takes off, and he gets Tony's board, and then he has it, he's got it wheels up, and he's trying to break it on the ledge, and he can't break it. Uh, <laughs> that was a pretty funny one, but yeah, just like yeah, it was just like that every day, you know. It wasn't all of like the like the you know any homeless people that lived in the park, they were always pretty cool. The hustlers, you know, they were all pretty cool. Like yeah, that's why it was a trip. It was like. The skaters gave so much life to that block, you know, it's like, you know, when you would let nighttime, it'd be some sketchy shit going on in City Hall and love, you know, and it was like, at least during the daytime, it was like the skaters made you feel okay to like walk through there, you know, I think Rick Oyola had said that before. And, and when I think about it, you know, it was, it was true, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, you know, it was a unique thing to see these kids like really utilizing these, these parks right in center city that like. I don't know. I feel like in retrospect, if the city council would have looked at it like, you know, they could, you know, it just brought so much positivity, man. It got kids from like kids that were from bad parts of the city that they don't got to kick it on their fucking stoop and like yeah. end up doing shit yeah. other kids in their neighborhood might be doing. Like it gave them a place to go. It gave them an outlet. You know, the amount of pros there that were making like like good money. It's like, yo, that's that's good for the economy you know the, the local shops whether it's green village or wawa it's like it supports the local businesses so you know it, when i look back it's like this is such a recipe for success how do you not how do you like not embrace this you know what i'm saying but you know i feel like all of these like city councils all over the world have you know they finally their their mindset towards it has changed you know so may, yeah yeah you know maybe it's the olympics maybe I don't know, you know. I'm I'm actually helping getting a skate park built um in the community I grew up at in Arstown and like to me it's mind blowing. It's like I, I would have never thought we'd have a park like you know, it's just we've gone through a lot of different um officials and it's a, it's a very underfunded township and it needs something like this. It needs a stimulus of something like this for the kids. So, it's a uh, you know, so, so to see it happening there it's like wow, this is this is pretty cool. So, for sure. So the new generation of Philly has the city on lock, man. Panabianco, Bilyeu, Jameer, Sour Beer, you can name. The list goes on, mm-hmm. right? Who's your favorite new Philly ripper, man? God, I, I really like them all. Uh, you know, like, like ja, yeah, I love watching Jaws skate. Kevin, um, Chris that skates for Violet and, and Adidas. It's hard, man. They're all, they're all so good. And they all, like, they make me really happy because... You know, for for one, like when they re, they rebuilt Love Park on their own terms, really. You know what I'm saying? Like when all the pros moved on, or you know, and and the the skate media stopped really focusing on Philly. Like they rebuilt their culture there. You know what I'm saying? And they took some ethics and morals from how it was back in the day, and they they reapplied it to what they had going on. You know, and then they. They also, once Love was gone, gone, they just took it across the street and kind of have continued that legacy. And, um, you know, it's just cool. I see, I feel like I see a lot of myself in them kids. Like, I know how hard they're working to get on and, and how much pride they have. You know, it's like they just want to put on for Philly. And um, that's really cool for to me to see. So, But, yeah, it's hard. I really like all of them, to be honest with you. You know, there's so many. Joey Marone, Joey O'Brien. They all rip Mike G, Chris Follow. There's a lot of them, yo. And they all they have different styles. And 
I like, you know, even on the fashion shit, I like how they rock the shit. So, yeah, that's definitely my favorite group of skaters in, in skateboarding. So, it's cool. That's oh, a good yeah. group for sure, man. So, tell us about getting on Aesthetic. Uh, how'd that come about? And what was it like riding with a bunch of legends, man? Of all the things in my skateboarding career, like for me actually riding and skateboarding, that, that's like the... I feel fortunate to have done a lot, but like to me, that's the most... That that one thing is what I'm probably the most proud of because at the time it was like that was the only company I could ever like I just saw myself as part of it you know from the style of the ads and the and the art direction I mean and then and obviously the skaters like Rob Welsh and John Ige and Joey Pepper they were all like my favorite skaters and they were this they were the guys I wanted to be like and skate like Kevin Taylor you know I would see Kev at love and i just feel like every day i inched closer to him in a session you know what i'm saying like until <laughs> i finally like had the courage to like talk to him and um you know kevin was what was so cool about kevin was like it, it could be the middle of the week and like maybe a quiet day at love or like people skated and then they went home but so many so many days like i would I'd end up there and it would just be me and him, you know, like so many sessions vividly. And I could just like, I'd be learning tricks and see how psyched they got him and me and him just built like a good, a good little thing. And um, yeah, he, he was the one that made the call to Sal for me. You know, it's Sal Barbie. It's like I had, who didn't have a pair of Sal shoe growing up, you know? But yeah, just to, to get on that, to get on them was like a dream come true. So, you know, again like i was like once i saw the opportunity was there i was like i have to do everything in my power to take advantage of this so uh, but yeah no that was that was the best man to to be in like when ride or die came out it was like you know that that was like such an amazing feeling you know like to be part of that video it was like that the brand has so much respect you know it was like people really really banged with it um you know, they they really like respected all the pros on it, you know, so it was uh I think I might have been the last you know, the original team was um what Rob, KT, Clyde. Joey got on. Joey was meant to get on though, but I think I was the last like the only person to get on outside of that like core nucleus before it um before we went to zoo, so you know, short lived but like the impact I feel like it it made was was pretty pretty awesome yeah so after aesthetics you found the new home at zoo uh, what was your time like over there mm, it was bumpy you know it was i think it was weird for everybody because it, to me it was it was eye-opening to the business of skating like why would we leave aesthetics like this thing is what this would this why, why would we ever you know want to disband this you know but um hmm. understanding it you know Sal had partners and there, you know, there has to be financial and business agreements. And, you know, so I respected Sal for, look, this thing's not working out. I'm going to take you guys somewhere where you can still get paid and I can keep you guys together for as long as possible. Um, But it, it was just rocky because it was like coming in after the class of skaters that was like, you know, a lot of it was, was Zeus original team. It was Supa. It was Todd Jordan. So to feel like you're replacing them didn't didn't feel the best yeah, a lot of those guys were our friends you know and skaters that we mm-hmm. respected and when you thought of zoo that's who you thought of you know what i'm saying you didn't necessarily think of like us you know so 
And it was already one of those companies, like because it was in the Echo, Mark Echo business structure, the complex and whatever, G unit and shit, it was like, it just had a very like, unfortunately, like toxic environment, man. Like it wasn't like, there's a lot of egos in there and, you know, so it just, well, yeah, it wasn't that cool. But I did get to go, like, I got to travel Europe one summer with Zared and Brian Brown and Howard Hunter, rest in peace. And to get to know those guys, like, on a personal level was awesome. You know, obviously spending a summer with Harold is, like, that was <laughs> that was very cool. And, you know, that's, you know, Harold's, Harold's was, still is my hero. You know what I'm saying? Like, I loved Harold, you know, so, but, yeah, it just... I seen like the writing was just on the wall really early, you know, and mm-hmm. and I think I had like a year contract. And once that contract was up, it was like it was easy for me to just be like, you know, like just kind of wipe my hands clean of it. You know, it sucked not being able to skate and travel with the Welshes and, and E-Gays and stuff. But, um, you know, just all good things come to an end. Right. For sure. Well, we can't go any further without getting a Harold Hunter story from that summer, man big legend man it was harold was just like god i mean you know, he had like a like a um like a top hat and he always had like a ill blazer like a suit jacket <laughs> and I, and i remember he showed up with like the the unlucky dunks and supreme dunks like he had just got like an ill nike sb like early nike sb package and um you know, he was in and out of skating. He'd be rapping like at like if we went to a bar, if they hosted us, like you know, it it was just something. It was every day. It was like something something new and funny. And I would just be dying, man. Like his his personality had so much charisma and energy, and like you know, like even if he was in a bad mood, it was funny as fuck. Like he just he just would have you rolling the whole time. I, I on that tour, I had uh I had hurt my ankle really bad, um the the first or second day, and like. You know, so I would just end up kicking it with Harold because, you know, he would just let the young, he let Zared skate, he let Brian skate, you know, and then he would, he'd jump in and out and get a trick. And, but I, so I'd spend a lot of time like on crutches just kicking it with him. And it was, it was funny. I was like, it was exactly the guy that I had, I had hoped he'd had been beat from seeing him in the videos and everything growing up. So, yeah, that was, that was heartbreaking when he passed, yo. You know, like, it just, even as a fan, it was like, damn, like we, this guy was so important to, to New York City skating, to East Coast skating, you know, it was like, he, he, you know, the things he would have still continued to do with his career, um, you know, his trajectory is like, you know, endless possibilities. So, but oh, they, no, it, his family and his, um, and the, the Howard Hunter um, Foundation has like, they've done a really good job keeping his name out there and doing some really positive things with, with his name and his legacy. So that's pretty cool. For sure. Um, he's still as good as ever, but how impressive was a young Zared, man? Oh my God, yeah, dude. He, like you said, he is still so fucking good, and it's it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. After all these years, he still skates at such a high level. Like his skating, it like it's not just like good for his age. Like it's he's w- with the barometer of skating yeah. right now, you know. But but back then it was like I had never seen anything like it. I knew he was good. But like to see what he would do, like yeah, in real life, was insane. Every day, every spot was a demo. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just like one or two tricks. Like, just get the camera out as soon as you get there, because you're about to get like a gang of shit, yo. And that that was next level. Like, 
We were dr- we, one night we were coming home from a party in Berlin, and like we had been out, God, dude, four or five in the morning, and there was this like visitor center thing with this massive drop in off of a bar, and he put his tail up there, switch, and switch drops in on this thing, and it was it was so hairy, you know, it was like. And I'm like, dude, this kid can do anything, yo. Like, he's probably, like, i never seen him snowboard. I'm sure he can snowboard incredibly, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it was nuts, man. It was, he filmed, fuck, yo, probably three video parts there over the course of that summer, you know. So, remember the Vicious Cycle? When Vicious Cycle came out, oh, man, he, oh had, my God. he had two or three parts, and it was like, dude, this is, and this isn't even it, yo. Like, I'm sure there's way more. I'm sure if he really wanted to, he could probably have added two more songs to this thing, you know. Uh, I, I would call him, I would call him the East Coast Costin, because I'm like, I'd imagine this is what Eric Costin skates like, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, Zared, Zared is the best. Actually, man, yeah. I just rewatched uh, Zurich mixtape to the other day and that took man. me back man i met eli gessner from from zoo in 2016 and i and i had to tell him like th- those the mixtape videos were so they were way ahead of you know like the the like between the music and the and the and the rappers that they were connecting with skating it was too, it was so so advanced you know what i'm saying it was like yeah skating wasn't really ready to embrace how close their relationship was to you know some of our favorite our favorite rappers you know what i'm saying like rappers that we actually loved and it was like um so we i don't know if you watched the all the streets are silent documentary but that did a good job of kind of explaining how how closely connected zoo supreme you know stretch and bobito all all the old you know like new york um the rappers that's a really good documentary i would check it out it's through, basically through the lens of eli you know, and Eli had all this amazing footage from back then, and he explains how it, basically, how it resulted in the in the first mixtape. You know, so yeah, I would check it out. All the streets are silent. It's real. I've watched it two or three times now, and it's like, damn. Like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more information that you know from other, you know, just other people and perspectives. But for for that particular one, it's like it explains a lot for New York skating. So, so we got to get more of those. Uh New York OGs on man. There's that's a whole oh, yeah. era we haven't tapped into too much on the pod. Man, it's um, it, it, I think back then it's like you didn't recognize like we didn't realize how special what those guys had going on back then really was like you know we, at, like you go back and look at like Anthony Korea's footage now and it's like oh my god yeah Anthony Anthony's was it is and was amazing you know like super um. You know Todd Jordan, like there, there's so many guys. You know, like you, you know, even like a like a Rodney Torres, like Rodney's done some of the hardest shit on a skateboard ever done, and like you know, like that that guy deserves his flowers. You know, what I'm saying like those, but all of those sure. dudes, man, it just they they represent such an awesome time in in New York skating. You know, if anyone has the Anthony Korea connect hit us up let him know we need him on the pod he's one of my all-time favorites his style was second to none the best yeah yeah i had asked rb like for whatever reason he did a he did a 180 nose grind 180 like transfer 180 on this flat bar in his mixtape part and that trick i just remember being like what the fuck like it it always stood out to me and and I, I always ask RB about it, and then one day RB 
like had found the clip, digitized it and sent it to me. And I was like, Jesus Christ, yo, like, you know, Anthony, like even style wise, like, you know, he, he's got like ill clips and like a lot of the really good DC shoes and like Mike Carroll vans, like Anthony, Anthony's like style, like his, his clothes yeah. and stuff was always super fire, you know, but, and then his skating matched it. Yeah. The, uh, those guys are legends. Big legend. I remember meeting him and I was like starstruck back in the day. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit here. You know what time it is, man. The ice cream skate team, dog. What What's the story there and who was behind the creation of the team and, and handpicking those skaters? That, that was Nino, uh, Nino Scalia. Um, Nino was uh, a Love Park local and then he was the alien and habitat team manager through through that photosynthesis era. He went and worked for Zoo for a little bit, and uh, I believe he met Pharrell at Zoo, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, you know, Nino had asked me to come and be a part of it, I think, early on at, when I was at Zoo. And initially, I was, like, kind of on the fence. And, and Nino understood. is like, coming from where we came from, in, you know, in terms of, like, the core part. You know what I'm saying? Like... And and then kind of kind of when I once I seen the kind of some of the things happening at Zoo, it was like, you know, like I got to pivot somehow, you know. And then I had hit Nino and asked him if if the offer was still on the table, um, which he said yeah. And it uh you know it definitely it should it I'm not even gonna front man it it changed my life you know it was like I didn't realize we were gonna be part of this thing that was like like a like a big cultural moment for skating, but broadcasting it not necessarily to the skate community to to a bigger world of a fashion world that was in love with like bathing ape and and pharrell and nego and um you know like it definitely opened a lot of doors for me it's it still does in all honesty man like kids till this day still hit me about it like there's still so many big either these mood board mood board instagram pages like they they're always posting stories on it and stuff and um you know it it was an awesome thing to be a part of you know like the jacob water the young kid on the team was one of the best skateboarders i'd ever seen in in real life like you know jacob was i I would just sit there and watch the kid because i was so blown away by him um pharrell's brother kato was on the team kato was really cool uh you know terry at the height of terry's um, career was pretty unique to see is like and Terry could skate his ass off and I, I always for I, I you know as much as a personality Terry was like you know I mean like my man could like fakey crooked grind big ass rails you know what I'm saying like yeah if you yeah. like I feel like any ledge skater will tell you like a fakey crooked grind's a real that's a solid ledge trick and my man would do it on rails like pretty easy you know and um it was uh but yeah no it was like to to I think to go to some of the places we had we went, whether it was opening the store in Tokyo and seeing the response there, to like being at like the American Music Awards, skating some fucking shitty mini ramp on stage while Pharrell sings with Gwen Stefani. It was like these are it was pretty unique experiences, man. And um, you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that Nino had brought me in on it and um, you know, I'm glad I didn't let my own you know, I didn't get in my own way in that situation and allowed it to, you know, to help me with my life, you know, and, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen Pharrell throughout the years and, um, you know, still having his support 
on projects post ice cream to, to today is pretty cool. So that's awesome, man. I know he tried to re they tried to redo it a couple of times, but it no, I don't think any of it was ever like um, that first. No, the first for, one was you know massive, what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, because like, their skaters still on it to this day, right? But y- yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, now. yeah. You know, it was just. It was insane, man. Like, the, you know, like, we'd be on 106 in Park or fucking, you know, suck, oh, like, MTV Sucker Free Countdown. And you couldn't tell kids, like, you know, like, man, y'all, like, they'd be like, man, you guys are the best fucking skateboarders in the world. Like, kids would look at you and tell you that. And they meant <laughs> yeah. it. You know, they would be in, they'd be head to toe in BBC and ice cream. And, like, I'm like, dude, there's way better skateboarders than us, guys. And they'd be like, nah, we <laughs> You're not going to convince us. Y'all are the best, you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was cool, man. And it, um, it it was funny walking around Philly back then because it was like I couldn't tell cats too. I didn't have like a record deal coming out. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like the <laughs> the 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 way it was viewed, and it was like you know you you're in all the clothes and everything, and cats were just like, yo, this shit is this shit is huge. You know, a lot of them, a lot of people were like you ain't shit. You know, like you still ain't shit, but. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, like you mentioned the Stevie Reebok thing earlier, I was always so curious as a kid what those contracts look like, the Reebok ones, and then especially with the ice cream ones, you just see Pharrell attached to it, and you automatically assume, like, these guys must be getting fat checks, but what were those contracts looking like? Nino did carve out pretty good deals for everyone, and and I'll always appreciate him for that because I, I went from, like, making you know, whatever, 500 bucks a month or something. I was getting, from aesthetics for, cl- for aesthetics skateboard, I was getting like 250 bucks. And like, don't get me, don't get it wrong. In 2001, as like, as a 19 year old kid, it's like, well, shit, I can pay my cell phone bill and I got a little bit of money for a while while like, I'm straight, you know? But like, you're, you're like really trying to like, you got to pay rent for your apartment or something. It was like, you know, I think we ended up, I was getting like, I think 1500 or two grand a month, you know? And like, that was like a real, real pay raise. The photo incentive was really nice. Nino carved out. And so that was cool. When it was all said and done and they were like, guys, we got to shut it down. I remember we had just re-signed our contracts and I was like, well, we just signed a new deal. How are you going to tell us like in, in May, we're getting our last paycheck. And they're like, these kind, con- you know, we can. These contracts aren't that solid, guy. You know, what I'm saying like we can, <laughs> we, we can terminate this shit as quickly as well. You're lucky you're getting these two months severance, you know. But that, yeah, that was nice. It was just like to be able to like pay my actually pay rent and still have you know a couple bucks left over to pay my car note or whatever. It was like that was uh, that was cool. But you know, I think it, it like you said, like it just looked so much. It looked so big from the outside. I think you know yeah. what I'm saying, like. But I still, the whole time, man, I still worked a part-time job and, you know, I still had to try to keep other avenues of income coming in because, like, you know how it is. Like, the second you start, you get, you start settling down and start believing the hype, it's like shit, shit abruptly comes to an end, you know? So, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One thing we always, we like to do is just shed light on the reality behind the scenes because we were those, you know, gullible kids that if you told us... If someone told us you guys made twenty thousand a month, we would have believed you as kids. But oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. We want the kids listening yeah. today to know what it's actually like behind the scenes, you know. Yeah, and and I was I always man throughout my whole skateboarding career. I I mean I always try to keep a part time gig. My mom was really adamant on me finishing my college studies, you know, because it's 
you know, skating, I kind of equate it to like college, man. It's like you're kind of just buying time, you know, and it's like like the reality of like making a career out of it where that's going to last more than a couple of years. It's like, it's, it's, it's hard, man. It's a hard industry to make it in. It's like not, it's, it's a real thing, but it's not a real thing. You know what I'm saying? And then once it's mm-hmm. done, it's like, then you got to go back to real life and, and try to figure out, um, you know, how you're going to pay your bills. If you want to start a family, you know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, yeah, definitely. I would always suggest the kids try to keep different lanes open. You know what I'm saying? And, and if you can parlay it into something else, I, I don't knock all these kids for starting their own brands and shit because it's like, you know, if this is what if this is really what you want to do with your life, then then go for it. You know what I'm saying? If this is going to teach you the business aspirations that you that you want and and how you want to pay your bills, go for it. You know, because the opportunity is there for everybody. You know, it's like there's a lot of competition out there, but at least you know you're owning what you're uh, what you're doing. So you know. Oh no doubt, sure. mom's raised you right, man. That's what's up. She did, yeah. I had a good, my, I mean, yeah. My mom is an awesome lady. And she, I, you know, like sh- single parent house. So, I mean, I had a stepfather growing up, but he, you know, he, he, you know, he wasn't like super hands on stepdad. But my mom would work like seventeen hour days, and and I would see how much she would sacrifice just to, you know, to keep the lights on. And her work ethic always stuck with me. And you know, like she just always was very driven and and that kind of uh she she you know she always instilled that in me and i, I hope now I'm, I'm teaching my daughter the same lessons that that she taught me so shouts to mom hell yeah so speaking of the ice cream team man i always thought that kevin booker was an absolute savage on the board man he had my favorite part in the video but for whatever reason his career didn't really pan out the way i expected it to man what's the story with with kevin booker i think um well, I guess, you know, the, the tough thing with ice cream was I feel like if if you didn't really have like a solid board situation prior to, in, in all honesty, it did kind of make it harder to get down with like, like a, a skate skate brand at the time. You know, it was just... It, it was a gift and the curse, right? It was like this big thing, yeah. but like you know, for for the skate community, it was it was still a really tough thing to digest. So, you know, I think I don't want to say Kevin maybe was getting ha- alien boards, and it's like, yeah, he was, dude. You know, like that, and and his skating did his skill match what was going on at at Alien at the time. I'm sure it did, but you know, like if you were going to get on Alien, it was like you you know you had to really be in there with Dill and with Ave and. Yeah. You know, I don't know if Heath was on yet, you know, like, so I just think that I don't think timing was on his side in terms of like Mm. who he needed to be paired up with, you know, so I think I don't think it was more than that, you know, because he was a really, really good skater, you know, and I'm sure he still is. But, you know, like, yeah, Kevin, Kevin was was like, you know, Jacob was I think Jacob, you know, he had Terry's endorsement. So Terry helped him get on Baker, you know, and I used to always tell Jacob that man was like, do you skate for baker regardless of where all this ice cream shit goes like you skate for baker like you can you can have you as you know like they don't really retire people i don't think you know like you you know you're good in skating as long as you're on baker you know what i'm saying like you will have the respect of the magazines you'll have the respect of you know the the other sponsors whether it's your truck or wheel or shoe because you're on baker you know and 
I don't think I maybe my advice didn't you know land as serious where he, he I I would have hoped he would have took it back then, but but yeah that that was that was it for I think for Kev yeah just timing. Can you just imagine? Kevin hopping in the van with Dill, decked out in ice cream. <laughs> no hell, no hell, no. And and like, I remember what, what would Dill have to say about that man? I re- I remember um like I think Transworld had sent Kevin to China with with Chico and some guys, and like you know it was a lot to you know ice cream was a lot to get people to understand. And I just remember like I remember Chico and them just being like. You know, just like the trip didn't go that way. You know, there wasn't like a cohesion between everybody's personalities and stuff. So it was like, because I think people already had certain dispositions towards us if they didn't really know you like that. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just hard to scratch off what they already thought to like get to like the real who people really were. So, but oh yeah, Yeah. I feel that you guys had like a definitely a different energy, but. I mean, me personally, I love the ice cream video. I remember watching that shit all the time with like Jacob Williams, Noah T. We love Kevin Booker too. That was that was a fun video, man. Man, I had friends that like like people that I skated with for years, man, and like you know, I'd be sitting with them and like they, they would just they would almost be disgusted. Like they'd be like, "How you know?" And I'd be like, "God damn, yo, it ain't really, they ain't that fucking bad, yo. Like, why are you taking it so personal?" <laughs> Like I'm chilling. Yeah. I'm still the same me. Like you know, like you know those those skate purists sometimes, man. Man, yeah, yeah. And it, it was you know, it's still at, at that point. It was still. I don't say all bets were off just yet. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you know, it. You know, maybe if it was around today, it'd be. You know, it, it may it probably wouldn't have the effect today that it had then either. You know what I'm saying? But For like. Sure. At that yeah, that's time, a shock it was, factor back then. Yeah, and, and the and the community still was really tightly bound, man. Like I would I remember going to like the slap message boards and being like, "God damn, man! Like, what? Yeah, all right, I'll just go fucking kill myself, guys. All right, like, <laughs> oh, like Jesus, yo, it was so fucking bad, man. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember Costin gave P Rod a hard time for going to Nike in the beginning. Oh yeah, 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 correctly. yeah. Like it was just. Yeah. We were, it's because we were all just still like outcasts, you know. We're all like, oh, mm-hmm. we're skateboarders, we're not basketball players or whatever. Like, yeah. we got to keep this shit tight. And anything yeah. outside of skateboarding was whack, or anything new, not core, was whack. But yeah, yeah. And that's it's almost like, um, it's almost like self esteem issues to a certain degree with with skating, you know, and skateboarders. It's like, yo, to me, because and that was my always thing. Is like, yo, to me, I think skating's cooler than everything. You know, I'm just sorry you guys share that same contentions. Like, you put it against anything else, any like subculture, we always feel like our shit's the coolest. So why not explain that to people? Why not share that with the world? You know, rather than try to keep it this like this thing. You know, so. It's hard. It's like as I get older, I feel like I resort more back to like who I was way back when, and then sometimes I gotta remind myself, like, nah, man, you were broadcasting this shit to like, you know, to like a non-skate community, you know, like years ago, you know. So like, you know, but but yeah, it's it's an interesting. uh, It's definitely an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's just funny in retrospect, just thinking of people taking time out of their days or like not even that, but just being so offended by something that really shouldn't affect you. You know what I mean? Like yeah, why are, yeah. why is like ice cream taking up place 
in your head to like make you so angry you know like yeah, looking yeah. back on it now it's like it really didn't matter it was just a group of guys that had a sick opportunity and you don't have to like it you could just ignore it if it's like actually bothering you that much you know because you look at it now it's like you know like nike and adidas they own the footwear space and and skateboarding mm-hmm. shoes you know it's a it's the days of like the, this little core thing are long gone unfortunately and it's like we allowed it to get here you know what i'm saying like everyone's like well fuck yo it's yeah. nike like who wants who's not going to want to skate for a swoosh or the stripes you know it's like you don't even need a board sponsor it seems like anymore you know what i'm saying like which is like completely backwards yeah exactly that's not what we came from the air with your board yeah. defined you you know what i'm saying like if you yeah. didn't have a solid board sponsor everything else the whole dynamic was off you know what i'm saying or if you yeah. had a shitty board sponsor you probably were going to have a bunch of other shitty sponsors. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's what, you know, so it's like, it's the, the balance is definitely, you know, a little, it's, it's off now. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and you know, I, I, it's just kind of where it's, where it went, you know. The skate shoe industry used to be enormous though. And it has actually crumbled. There's nothing there now. Like yeah. the shoes we would wear to high school like wearing circas or lakais, like the rest of the school had no idea what the None. hell those were. None, They're probably yeah. looking at us like, "What the fuck is yeah. that guy wearing on his feet?" And I'm like, yeah. "Are you kidding me? These are these are the high top Jamie Thomas circas. Like you don't know what these are. are like, but it's gone now, man. Man, it's the seventh grade. I remember wearing the first run of DCs to school." And it well, I had the I had a pair of white Danny Ways, and I remember a kid was like, "You got some fucking fake champions on," because <laughs> the, the DC logo yeah. kind of looked like the champion logo, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so proud of these!" And you just completely yeah. tore me down you to like, me. yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, but but even like like uh, you know now, now I work a little bit more on like the you know on the the inside of of you know fashion. And like, I, I, it's really, it's making shoes is so hard and expensive. You know, it's like, there's, there's so many costs, molds and less. And it's a lot of parts where, you know, every style is a new mold. And like, dude, the, the amount of styles that the skate brands were putting out back then is like, was insane. Yo, they like DC had so many styles, DVS, so many styles, Lakai, you know, like, it like they the, they just had the factories cook you know they yeah. s they had the factories cooking you know now it's like you get one you know like one style and then you fucking end up Frankenstein in this thing with different you know but it's still the same thing it's like you know because of how expensive it is and to to mm-hmm. you know to to make your business actually make sense it's like you know, I mean, even, you know, even Nike, it's like, it just, you know, they got Stefan's shoe. They got a, only a couple shoes, you know, where back then it was like, dude, there were so, you had so, you could go into a skate shop and there was, between all the brands, there were so many different options to yeah. pick from, you know. Now it's like, now what do we got? We got a Dunk, we got a Chuck Taylor, we got, yeah. you know. Some Vans. Adidas, Ad, yeah, some Vans. I mean, it seems like Adidas does some pretty interesting stuff, but it definitely, yeah, like back then it was. It's it dumbed def- down for sure. Far more interesting man because it was ours then you know it was it was ours it was like skaters were it was a whole industry you know we were taking the skate designers were taking bits and pieces from the athletic world and and then making it into like a skatable version you know and you know but now it's 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 like it's the complete opposite yeah bringing it back to today so 
how many jobs do you have right now, man? What's like a day in the life, <laughs> week in the life for you looking like now? What's keeping you busy? No, for the past, uh, we're, I'm on my fifth year now working with uh, with a company called Standard Issue Tees. Um, my partner and, and we, we, which we also do JSP through. So we're, we're on year five. Him and I worked together on JSP back in the day, uh, like 20, 2012 to 2015. And then we started back up in 2017. Do a little bit of work for DC, which is cool because I get, I get to work with, with Kalis and, and with the kids in Philly. Um, and then, uh, but and then JSP is like, oh, it's like my special project stuff. So. And then you're a judge too. You still judging? Man, here and there, yeah. I did street league for ten, yeah, ten years. And then, um, <laughs> holy shit, I've helped I've helped Manny out with his contest series, which has been pretty cool. Street league was rad because I, I just I never saw that opportunity coming, and um, getting to see a lot of those guys skate, you know, for ten plus years, and per- they're all so fucking good. It's like. Dude, at the beginning of Street League, it must have been sick because it was like yeah. all the good pros. Not that they're like bad pros now, but it's like it's slowly transformed back into a real contest thing. But originally, it was the pros you wanted to see. Yeah, Brian Brian Atlas, who's a really old friend of mine. Brian is actually a Jersey skate kid. Skate grew up skating with Wenning and stuff. He would come to love. Brian Atlas built uh, Street League with with um, with Rob and like. He's a really close friend of mine, and and you know they they wanted they always wanted it to feel like um, like a real, not necessarily like a street like it was a street contest obviously, but like they wanted it to really define like the different disciplines in skating. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. there's a ledge you know a ledge part and a handrail part and a line part, and it took some time building it out, and I think to get the flow, you know, for it to be exciting and everything. You know, so it definitely like it had its ups and downs over the years, but but it's been cool. I mean, look, I feel like it helped save Nigel's career. Like I think Nigel came in as a substitute for I believe Rally the first year, and no that was when. Way. Yeah, I don't think Nigel. I think he was just doing his board company. I don't think he had a shoe sponsor at the time, and like, you know, I think things were a little quiet, and he showed up to literally the first contest, and the shit that he did was like insane and I, I really i think that was really the thing that kind of helped get him back in front of people and like remind everyone how good he really was like so that was pretty cool and then just the, just the traveling part you know it was like be able to get back to cities i thought skateboarding would never bring me back to you know that was that was pretty cool so so but sad, yeah you gotta man. try to try to stay busy out here man you gotta keep as many you know many lanes open for yourself and you know it's a, it's you know, it's a tough. It, we're obviously living through some very tough times, um, but just just in general, man, I always feel like you got to try to keep different eggs in different baskets and stuff. But no. for sure, sure. I, I remember those first Street League videos that came out when like Deerdick would be getting people to sign. Those are always so funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I always wish Rob stayed more involved in it too, yeah, man. I think. Man. Yeah. I think I think once it got gone, he stepped back. Part of me feels like maybe because I know Nike came on as a sponsor, and then you know uh, and he was a D, he was a DC athlete, so maybe there was something in there. But I do feel like you know, like in in my mind, it like like this thing where it, he's almost like I, I always saw it like if he hosted it almost on some like like Bruce Buffer type shit, like it just yeah, would it just would you know he, he you know he really could have been like on some Dana White. Dana White of skateboarding <laughs> type of thing, and, and that that could have been pretty unique, you know. Maybe he didn't want to. Maybe you know he had other business shit going on, and 
but uh but yeah it was cool 10 years yo crazy that's crazy i mean we're not huge fans of him over here but what's it like to see lebron james pull up to the crypto.com arena wearing your sweatpants man man that is uh what kind of feeling is that it's it's i mean dude i get goosebumps still it's like he he has worn it so much over the past two or three years that but every single time it's like yeah, I, I trip because like yo, at the end of the day, we're st- we're still skateboarders. You know what I'm saying? Like so, I, and, and that's how I still view myself. So it's like to see skateboarding has somehow allowed me to get to this point. You know, some 15, 20 years later, that like the second highest scorer in NBA history is is wearing your sweats or or your hat or whatever. You know, it's like you know, it just to me, it's a testament of skateboarding, man. It's like that's that's always what driven us and and our perspective on fashion and style so i feel like to still be pushing that narrative in that direction and and that's where it's landing at is like is is pretty cool to me so is he hitting you up for him i'm no i i know his stylist okay and uh and i and i hit you know and, and his stylist is always like from day one was like you know i this guy's got one of the busiest schedules in you know of of all professional athletes like it's it's a fucking 24 hour 365 days a week job keeping him ready for all the shit that he's got going on so with that i you know i need different ideas i need different styles and shit to be able to to offer him if you know if it works for him and to see that it has worked in so many different occasions for him whether it's you know going to a game or like uh you know, like he wore a suit to like a media day presentation one time. That was pretty cool. There was a a Virgil Abloh Boys and Girls Club of Chicago, an event that he wore it to. Like, so to see him wear it in these very like special places, you know, that's it was just like an added added benefit or um, boost of how unique of an experience it is. Uh, that's crazy, man. Any other players? Uh, you, you, we, Chris Paul's been wearing it a good amount for the last couple of years. Um, Kawhi, you know, really like some of the, man, some of the best players, uh, I was like Tyrese Maxey wore a sweatsuit pretty recently. Oh shit. That's Um, big for you. You know, and, and, and he's having a great, a great second year. Yeah, Tobias. Who else? Uh, dude, I've been trying to get stuff to KD for so long. Like, I just don't know if, <laughs> if, if our fits Matt, like, you know, like for his, you his. need some custom shit. Yeah, it's a pretty remarkable list, man. And I, like, as a kid, it's like shit as a kid, you would never, ever, I could never imagine, you know, it's like, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's been pretty cool. That's awesome, Crazy. man. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like Donald said, we're not really LeBron fans, so it's, it's cool to hear the other, some of those other names. <laughs> man. And I, and I always, I always watched him like, um, you know, like even when he was in high school, he came and played uh, Strawberry Mansion in Philly, and I got to see him go head to head with uh, with uh, I think his name Sharif Rice. He was he was an old Philly ball player, and to see them go head to head in high school, and then um, you know, obviously just watching his career roll out and everything, and yeah, you know, like I worked in a sneaker store when his first shoe came out, like the Zoom Generation. I remember selling them and the LeBron twos and threes and everything. So, you know, now all these years later, seem still wearing it is like pretty cool. That's so dope. You've done a bunch of collabs with brands over the years. Which one would you say meant the most to you? Which are you proudest of looking back? Man, you know, they, it's, it's hard because I feel like I'm, 
it's almost like a sec, like I'm having like a second career in skating, almost. You know what I'm saying? Like a like a career off the board, and um, a lot of these collabs like are are they're with people I never could imagine being able to work with, whether it's Gino Iannucci, um, or or like you know Huff's clothing brand, um, you know even even just recently I just got to do a project with Lakai and um. You know, getting to sit 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 down with Rick Howard and and discuss everything Ooh. with him, and then and even get Rick to do some special things like we redid the first ads that he did with Mike, but with him and Stevie Perez. You know, it's like, dude, you you remember being a kid and, and watching Mouse for the first time, and you know his opening line in the schoolyard. It's like you think that what that meant to you as a, as a kid, like you know, just learning how to skate. Um, you know, it's just it's it's hard to not tell these people how you know how important they are to you you know so mm-hmm. i get you know this this lakai one is pretty cool you know because i um yeah you know, i used to get lakai shoes like aesthetic days i was on lakai flow and i skated with anthony Papalardo a lot and 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 lakai to me was similar to how i felt about um aesthetics where like all of the guy you know scott johnson cairo mm-hmm. you know lenosi all it was all these are all the best dudes you know so um you know, so it always like resonated in this really positive place to me. So to go at this point, it's just like I just feel like I'm I'm doing projects that are allowing me the opportunity to like thank the people that inspired me so much, you know, like to work with Huff and and do something like the Huff one was really special because, you know, that came shortly after he passed away. And that conversation start had started before, you know, he had passed, unfortunately. You know, so to get something, to be able to do something that tell you know that helps tell whoever follows JSP or Standard Issue how special Keith Huffnagel and Huff the clothing brand is is like, you know, at least I'm 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 it's allowing me to give the people that have inspired me their 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 flowers, so to speak. So, but yeah, this Lakai one has been pretty uh pretty sentimental. So, but all of them, man, I can't you know I can't. It's hard for me to put one over another. So for sure, for sure, uh, love that man. So what's next for Jimmy Gorecki? Man, just keep man, just keep at it. I, I'm trying to get this skate park built in Narstown, PA, and I got this. I got the township tapped into um, some really, really amazing park designers and, and park builders. So making sure that gets done right, so the community that I grew up in has has a facility that kids can skate for for decades and is a park design that's re- will be relevant for years to come. And just more projects. We got another Vans project coming out this year, which should be awesome. You know, just continuously to focus on JSP and Standard Issue, and man, just keep our head down and just keep working hard, man. Honestly. Yo, 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 it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost, and this week it's an honor to be brought to you by the one and only Spitfire Wheels, keeping the underground lit. Nothing more needs to be said. All right, Jimmy, a little rapid fire. You ready? Yep. Favorite skater? Kevin Taylor. Favorite video? Fuck, I got to go Eastern Exposure 3. Favorite video part? Stevie's DC part. Oof. Favorite style? Uh, Rob Welsh. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? My childhood friend... He he passed away in oh, 2008. His name was J.R. Neebs. 
JR had a had a board for stereo back in the day. You know, he just he explained a lot of things to me. You know, like JR was already like he was sponsored, he was traveling. You know, he 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 was just he was a really good skater, man. He taught me a lot. He taught me how to fucking wall ride. He taught me, you know, how to do a fucking 360 and you know, he just he he opened my eyes up to so much shit like um, you know, like he came to my house one day with like the real nonfiction video and was like, you, you got to watch this video. And through that video, I learned who Jim Thibault was. I learned how special Drake Jones was, jo- Joey Bass. Like he just, he just opened my eyes up to a lot of, a lot of mm-hmm. shit, a lot of, you know, different styles of skating and stuff. So yeah, JR. Most talented skateboarder on planet earth. Tony Montgomery. Favorite trick. Varial heel flip. Hardest trick for you. Hardest trick for me, a 360 kickflip. I probably only have done like maybe five my whole life. What? (laughs) Most illegal trick. Just anything late flip. (laughs) Anything late flip. Dude, I remember this. This is the funniest fucking thing. So I remember Jerry Hsu's Wheels of Fortune came out. And he does a nolly frontside flip late kickflip. And I just remember being like, what the fuck was that? Like, you know, and and at the time, I'm not really... Uh, fully aware of like what's legal and what's not legal mm-hmm. so i remember doing one at love or just i fl- i did a nollie frontside flip and i tried to late kick flip and it flips and i land on and i fall and i remember someone being like somebody yelled something like don't be doing that shit around here <laughs> and i was just like like and i don't even know who said it like i just like it was like the love park skate gods just i was like who the fuck said like <laughs> And I was like, I, right then and there, I was like, ah, oh, man, you don't know late flips around here. Okay. Oh, All shit. Right. That's funny. <laughs> favorite clip you've ever gotten? Yeah, I mean, back lip is definitely my favorite trick. It's just like, that 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 helped me out, man. That, like, got, got me in the game. Hell, yeah. That rail's massive. I've been there, man. Worst trend you've ever been a part of? Fucking white kids with cornrows. <laughs> <laughs> Like we look fucking ridiculous, yo. Like, oh shit! Oh. I I would go to my sister's house and my sister's roommate. She would she would twist mine up for me and like, you know, I had like really thin hair and it would just come out and like, what the fuck were you doing with cornrows, yo? That's fine. Love, love that gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed. Man, watching I think watching Papalardo switch Ollie the love gap. You know, because yeah. at that point it had just been ollied and it was like the thought, like, I think, I feel like Anthony really like kicked down the door to like show people that now you could start to do real shit down it. And, um, you know, like just to see it in real life was like pretty amazing. He almost switch flipped it sometime later and he landed mm-hmm. on it a lot of times, you know, but that was like to see that, you know, and I remember seeing Wenning switch back to eighty in real life. That was pretty awesome. Damn. But like, I was like, damn, yo, to switch Ollie. Both of those guys. Yeah, both of those tricks were pretty remarkable. What's the one trick that got away? Switch 180, the fountain at the Love Park fountain. Switch frontside 180, you know, which yeah. is, it's obviously not a switch back side 180, but <laughs> it, it, like it would it would have been nice to have something other than an Ollie down it. And then... I got really close back in the day to shove it heel flipping the Santa Monica triple set. Oh, like, like I landed on it. And I think I want to say Chris Mulhern has the footage, but I landed on it so many times. And then 
Flip Sorry came out and Rally oh. did it in that. And I was like, oh. fuck. I was so mad. I was like, damn it. Rally beat me to it. And it was a windy fucking day. It was overcast. And I was still landing on it. I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't get it to go, like, to ride away. And it's like, that would have been an awesome one to have, I think. Oh, dude. Sure. Both of those would have, yeah. you know how you say the backlip did a lot for you? Both of those would have been, like, the first tricks you would have thought of when you think about your name. What's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? I don't know if you remember the the gap to rail in, in Philly. It was called Puerto Rican Park. It was like these red benches and they had a low to high. And they also had you could gap to a flat bar there. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I remember yeah. I remember telling guys I was gonna switch back tail it and like <laughs> <laughs> So it's you? Like the like the bar the bar part yeah, too. And I remember yeah, like yeah. like switch ollieing and like just throwing, kind of throwing my tail up there, and it's like, dude, stop, yo, you're not like, <laughs> you ain't like a, you know, all those guys in Philly could switch back tail during that time period, like with their yeah, eyes yeah. closed. It was like, it was just in the water, yo. People were switch back tail and like a motherfucker, and it was in at the time. It was such an awesome trick, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get it on that, and I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> We, bar- we barely <laughs> seen you good. do one at at love. He's gonna try to tell us you're gonna do that. I love uh, that. What's the last new trick you learned? Man, probably front shove crooked grind. And I and and, and I got one there we like at the school near my house uh has like a like a like a little baby lockwood bank to ledge set, bank to like yeah, bench yeah. setup. And um and I got one on that and that was pretty cool. And like a switch front side smith grind. Dream job after skating. Man, I think I'm doing it now. You know, honestly, yeah. like yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so ha- like happy and thankful. You know, I, and 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 partly because you know, it, you know, it, figuring out what you're gonna do after skating is not not the easiest thing, man. And it's like that's not, not a smooth, you know, to go from something where you have the time and freedom to like, you know, to back to like doing something in a more traditional sense. It's not nearly as fun, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like. Yeah. So and and it's and it's hard on on people, you know what I'm saying? And it, I know it was hard on me trying to figure out what I would do after skating. You know, and I knew I felt like I still had something to give and I still had a passion inside of me so to be able to be back tapping into that, you know, knowing that passion that I had to be able to do something with it to this day is like is pretty cool, so. That's amazing, man. Keep going. Favorite local brand? Um, sabotage productions in Philly. You know, no, I, I want yeah. I want these guys to make it a brand so bad, and and the fact that they don't really do it makes it even cooler to me because they're like, you know, the, the obvious thing is to make a brand. Everybody's got their own brand of some mm-hmm. sort, whether it's clothing or skate or, and the fact that they keep it this this collective is like such a cool cool thing to me. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. I would rock that man. They should favorite local skater. Uh, let's say I say Kevin Billu right now. Favorite teammate ever? Hey Clyde Singleton. Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah. Clyde, you know it's like Clyde. That's the same Clyde that you, we, you know, you watch trilogy and you see, you know, you see him in like, you know, I always saw him in his four on one parts and stuff. And the first time I ever went to came to California was kind of like my tryout for aesthetics. It was like you can. We're going to bring you to California. If Clyde doesn't want to kill you in a week, then you're on. (laughs) (laughs) Worst teammate ever. Man, honestly, sometimes I was probably the worst teammate, you know, (laughs) because I would would be bugging Welsh back in the day or like, 
you know, like my driving my TMs crazy, like asking for things as if they're they're anything other than your manager for your skateboard team. They're not your fucking personal assistant. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, skaters have the the skate TM relationship so fucked up. It's like, yo, these guys are just really here to like check you in the hotel, get your packages, help you find out where your check is. You know, <laughs> that's it. Like, uh. right, what were you asking for? A massage? Nah, just like. Uh, I don't know. It's a dip. Can you pick these sneakers up for me or some dumb shit? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't like these shoes. Send some different ones. Like, dude, the shoes are fucking fine. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't be a little fucking entitled little bitch. <laughs> Worst company? Beyond the Dallas Cowboys, the, uh, the IOC, the company that oversees the Olympic skateboarding. Oh, <laughs> Worst trend? You know what? You know what I wasn't a big fan of when it was like, like the the big puffy skate shoe with the tight pant but like a like a big t-shirt and like <laughs> like a like a fitted hat like i was like this does this these fits don't even like add up you know that was definitely like a early like a early 2000 baker steez was like yeah that's what the, I, but the, those guys were skating their asses off so they could they could Wear dress however the fuck they wanted but i just it wasn't my cup of tea for sure <laughs> worst style Worst style. I'm gonna say I have the worst style. For years, I was always so inspired by so many people that one day I might have been doing a trick like, you know, trying to do a trick like Ave or trying to dress like Pops or, <laughs> you know, Kalis or you know, and maybe that wasn't always uniquely to who you know. What I'm saying I'm, I'm swagger jacking bits and pieces from other skaters. So, maybe I, I'm maybe that's the worst style. Me. <laughs> Okay, okay. Taking the uh, diplomatic route. Last person you want on the sesh? Man, I'm going to say my friend Jimmy McDonald. I don't know if you know who Jimmy McDonald is. And the only reason was because he's so fucking good, yo. He's one of them dudes where you're like, I don't, I can't, like, I remember going skating and I'm like, what the fuck am I even going to do today, yo? Like, this guy, <laughs> he just got out the car and he already did some awesome. He's like one of them dudes that's so good. He was like, right just out the gate, you'd be like, damn, yo. I'm just going to go sit my ass down because yeah, you know, my little shove it heel flip is not my little shove it heel flip ain't going to cut it today. Yeah. <laughs> Five borough legend. He was a footy machine. And I think he still rips too. Like someone I was just talking to was like, I just skated with Jimmy not too long ago and he's still, he still got it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good to hear. Well, all right, y'all. That's going to wrap up our interview with Jimmy, man. Appreciate you being here, dog. And shit. Thank you guys, man. Like I said, you guys have like real, of like really talented and, and and big people up here so i thank you guys for considering me amongst all those those cool people so oh yeah man our pleasure thanks for your time welcome back to the post office brought to you by our good friends over at dickie skateboarding quality workwear since 1922 from the work site to the streets nobody keeps you fitted like dickies you've got mail all right first up we've got an email from dan g wagwan man dem banger season boys and ants these beats have been incredible next summer's bunt mixtape is going to burn down the entire farm on to my question Maybe it's my imagination, but it seems like recently there have been a few post-recording edits. You know what I'm saying? Maybe some answers being changed in the rundown. 
While it's none of my business what was said, it's the people's right to know how these decisions are made. Do you get a phone call from the interviewee the next day? Do the big boys of the bunt sit down, powwow style, and discuss removing it? Have you ever declined someone's request to change up an answer? Is there an answer that got changed you wish you kept? The people need the answers. Much respect, Dan. I mean, it's pretty simple. Whatever the <laughs> guests want, that's what happens, man. Like, we're not out here trying to put out anything that makes our guests feel uncomfortable. There would be no bunt without our guests, so... If they want something switched up, we switch it up, man. Easy. All right, next up, we got an email from Zachary. What a bunt, long-time listener. I'm from Hamilton, Ontario, so it's cool when you guys mention a local brand or skater. I never thought I'd hear on a podcast. Do you have any stories of skating in Hamilton? Any cool spots you've skated over here? Keep killing it. You guys are legends. Also, rest in peace to my brother Marcus, a great skater taken too young. Damn, man. Sorry to hear that. Yep. Awful. Hamilton, man. Definitely had some good times in Hamilton over the years. That pond to Manny Pad. Had some fun yep. on that thing. And I remember skating that thing with Morgan one day. And he did Nolly Flip, Nose Manny, Nolly Trey. And I got a Switch Heel, Nose Manny, Fakey Flip. And I went there with the Red Star guys and did a Switch Heel, Manny, French of. So that, that thing is always been fun man super sick spot that is an absolute classic i don't think people go to hamilton without going to that spot <laughs> like that's the one i remember like a long time ago there was a west 49 open at hamilton is that right oh Have yeah yeah been there? i was in that one i was yeah. too nervous to skate yeah. though i bailed on my run at cops coliseum so they had like some hotels booked or whatever and i remember me and six-year-old Went back to Paul Trepp's hotel, smoked probably like 45 blunts, <laughs> watched an episode of that show, Rap Beef, which was one of the all-time best shows. And I remember being so high, I didn't even know how I was going to get home, what I was going to do. I was just insane. And we went to Beasley Bowl, and the level of skating that Paul Trepp pulled off after smoking that much weed made no sense like just on the little bump thing they have there he was front side flipping over it switch flipping over it just like skating like normal and me and six row were just <laughs> in a daze like don't even know how we got to the skate park but that's so sick. that was a hell of a time bro you i completely forgot about that contest it was so embarrassing for me that was when i was like you know had the nascar boards a million sponsors <laughs> and shit and i remember there was nothing on that course that I felt comfortable on. And like Greg Lutzka, there was like a little rail that I probably like front boarded and he was doing like kickback lip every try in his run and shit. And when my run came around, I just bailed. I was like, yo, I just like hid. I was like, I'm not, I'm not about to embarrass myself. Like some sponsors were there and shit. I'm like, I actually will just do myself a disservice if I try and skate right now. Oh man, I remember we just used to have so much fun rolling in on the big roll into the snowboard booter and just like airing out of it like weren't even really skating the course just fucking around on the huge ramps i know that was the only fun i had at that thing was you guys were there and cody was like there too and you guys were, I, yeah I feel like you guys were trying to like help me with my run and cody was like front feeble this and then 
and i was like you know what i'm just gonna hang out with you guys and pretend i'm not even here dude i remember that one we like got all into the course like the food everything for free and just like balled out and i feel like the next year it was in mississauga and we went out there with absolutely no plan of how to get into the contest because yeah. you have to pay and like have tickets yeah and we got there and we we're like ah we'll figure it out type thing you know yeah and like couldn't figure anything out and then we went to the back door like vip entrance and it had a list of the bracelets and what each bracelet meant <laughs> but they had actual bracelets on the board so we just took the bracelets oh, off the board shit. and i remember like one of us had the gold one <laughs> one of us had the silver so like the three of us or however many it was all walked up with different bracelets like flashing them wow. like if they had a thought about that for two seconds but man West 49 opens were so fucking fun, dude. I don't even care. That show was incredible. Oh, straight up, man. Greg Lutzka, legend. Oh. All right. Next up, we've got an email from Alex Stoyberg. What up, Bunt family? Sorry in advance because this is a long one. I just wanted to say thank you for all the entertainment y'all provide. You guys make my shitty commute to school much more enjoyable. Recently, I was listening to the pod with Mike Hasty from a while back and was enjoying it, but I couldn't quite seem to separate the man's skateboarding career from the anti-vax and general conservative BS that he floods his IG story with. Not to be overly rude, but old heads like Mike Hasty and a lot of other dudes like Suggle, for example, have seemed to have fallen for online information that is ever-present in the age of social media. Moving on to another topic of conservative bullshit, I remember talking with a co-worker of mine about a famous pros video part that was just released. My co-worker said he liked it because the pro didn't dress like a fairy anymore. I was really taken aback from the comment. And I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were on politics in the skate industry. Is it a generational thing? Personally, I think skateboarding is no place for bigotry and conservative politics. It'd be nice to leave politics out of skateboarding, but in this day and age, I don't think that's possible. It'd be nice to see skateboarding as a space that is welcoming to all and free of the BS that is prevalent in almost everywhere else in the world. Much love. Peace. Yo, what's up, man? Thanks for the email. Um, as far as the welcoming part of it if that's the case which i agree it should be welcoming and you know accept all types of people then you also if you don't agree with it you still gotta you know be okay with the fact that mike hasty for example doesn't have the same views as you that doesn't mean we need to you know hate each other i think accepting that we're all different and believe in different stuff is part of it uh but the the fairy comment is obviously unacceptable but i mean i might disagree with mike hasty on some stuff but i still got nothing but love for mike hasty like he he's such a nice dude and i'm not gonna let some some different beliefs get in the way of like a friendship you know what i mean so i mean there's times when obviously if it's too extreme then whatever you can go your separate ways but i mean if we got to be accepting it's not just accepting of the people that think exactly the same as you right so Honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I think one thing that we all can learn from over this pandemic and COVID and everything that's gone on over the last couple of years is that we all don't have to think exactly the same. And like you said, we should be welcoming to all. And the easiest part about social media is you don't have to follow or listen to anything you don't want to. So 
I think that's the best course of action for you there. But we all agree on the fact that skateboarding should be welcoming to all and free of the the bullshit, man. 100%. Hell yeah. All right, next up, we got an email from Adam Z. Yo, what's good, Ebunt family? I hope all is well up there in Canada, eh? Just wanted to ask y'all if there were any memorable skate parts that surprised you. Recent ones that came to mind were the legend of Sin himself, Theodas Beasley, in the Shrimp Blunt video. I had no idea that man still had it like that. I was overwhelmed with joy and hope for my own skate progression. Another video I thought would be head-ass was Riley Hawk's nepotism part. So glad that dude still shreds. It was full of gnarly shit and totally surprised me. Let me know what y'all come up with. Peace and love. Um, Yo, I also want to give a shout out to that Riley Hawk part. I've never been like a huge Riley Hawk fan or anything, but definitely respect like how much footage he puts out and like insane tricks he's done over the years. But man, that fool should have cut his hair years ago man this was the first time where like i actually like <laughs> fucked with his style like his style went up like 10 points in my books or if we were doing a bunt review <laughs> on one of his old parts like i would have given him like a like a five on style and the, the haircut got him all the way up to like an eight you know what i'm saying i don't know if you saw that part but yo he was looking crispy yo oh man <laughs> who knew a haircut could could have such an effect um, it's crazy that you say that about the Otis because I think me and Saifa were in complete agreement for the Otis's Baker Four part, which was I'm not gonna say shocking, but it was like more than I expected for sure. Someone I'll go with, and it's not that I expected less, but they just definitely pushed themselves. Was Spanky's new part was absolutely banging, man. Spanky went in, new father, absolutely snapped on his new part, horses. Uh, big shouts and then I mean every time Andrew Reynolds I feel like Andrew Reynolds is like the Tom Brady of skateboarding where you like <laughs> expect him to fall off the cliff and he just never does man yeah um, in that same vein one one person who's just it's crazy to think how long they've been this gnarly is good friend of the show Leo Romero like this dude has been on another level for like two decades now i just watched uh that's life again the other day when he was a baby no and dude i love that part he skated to a sick song and he's doing like front salads i think and like just all types of shit but just to think back at like we were in high school at that time and if you just lurk his instagram or like i think he had clips in the the latest toy video like he just doesn't slow down he's so fucking good and um i shouldn't say i'm surprised because it's almost like he's been killing it steadily for so long but it's just it's crazy to see um him maintain his level of buckness for like two decades all right next up we've got an email from keegan moerke hey yo what's good he's still I realize most of it might get edited out, but what's the stupidest thing both of you have said on the pod? Um, well, we have like a whole blooper episode where lots of silly things have been said. The first thing that comes to mind for me is when I called the Carlsbad Gap Carlsberg. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. That's uh, a classic one for me. Yeah, that was good. Um, I had one, first one that comes to mind. I had one a couple weeks ago this season. Let me just find it because uh, my brother Justin Alain texted it to me. Oh, yeah. I said, throw your pocket out your phone when, uh, when we had... <laughs> <laughs> when we had Weef on and we were talking about him saving his homie in the swimming pool and I was like did you throw your pocket out your phone before you jumped in the water <laughs> that was a nice little one but yeah blooper episode that was available to the patrons is full of them shits maybe we should make that public now it's been a, yeah. a year or two um, thanks for the email alright next up we got an email from Langley G what up thanks for featuring my email on the damien bravo episode real to real was the first skate video i ever watched in the last episode Saifa mentioned that he ordered korean food and binges korean shows regularly my wife is korean and we currently live in seoul so i was wondering what are your favorite korean dishes i recommend dalgalbi and jim dalk if you can find it um we also had our first son since my last email so donovan i was wondering how you managed to do so much as a newish father like the pod work skating etc that shit is inspiring bonus question for ants one what is it like mixing and editing the pod is there a lot of that that gets cut thanks again for the great skate content yo epic email hollering at all three of us oh man i had this korean dish for the first time the other day and it was one of the best things I've ever had in my life. I've been thinking about it every day since. Cheese Tiok Boki. I probably said that completely wrong, but T T E O K B O K K I. These like little like rice things that come in balls or not balls. I don't know. I can't describe it, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about because uh, you got the Korean wife and you're a lucky man because if she's cooking up some Korean classics, I know you live in good, bro. Cheese tiaboki. Too good. Um, I wouldn't say that there's something crazy I do that helps me manage it. It's just like time management. Get up early in the morning. Luckily, right now, I'm doing uh, an electrical apprenticeship, which has me on site. 6 a.m. till 2 in the afternoon so i'm up at like 5 a.m every day but i'm home early in the afternoon gives me time to skate in the afternoon maybe work on the pod and i can do all of that before i pick up my son from daycare and then it's back to the home life so it's just really about the fact that i finish work at 2 in the afternoon that lets me do things very lucky to have that are you used to the fucking early mornings yet? Are you going to bed earlier now? Yeah. I definitely don't go to bed earlier. I, like, can't. Like, the earliest I can go to bed is, like, 11. So I go to bed at 11, wake up at 5. That's a good six hours. But then on the weekends when I sleep till, like, 7.30, it feels like I'm sleeping in, which is <laughs> insane but great. So, yeah. Just get up early in the morning, man. I should have been listening to six-year-old all those years. <laughs> what up, Langley? Um, yeah, in terms of editing the podcast, uh, I feel like now that we're at season 15, it's pretty streamlined. All I'm really doing is tidying everything up, you know, uh, putting everything together, all the 
miscellaneous pieces that I get sent separately. So like I'll get the uh, post office and the rundown separately and the intro and the episode. Um, maybe more in the first couple seasons, there was a little bit more chopping and uh, dissecting. But uh, yeah, it's pretty streamlined right now. We got a pretty good thing going. The boys know what they're doing. I had to put them on how to really like use the program. We use Logic Pro. So yeah, that was pretty interesting, but I think they, they got it going now. So they, they'll record, uh, they'll be chopping up the episodes a little bit before they send it to me and then I'll just clean everything up. All right, next up, we've got a voice note from the legend, Melvis. And he quotes Tony Soprano as, those who want respect, give respect. <laughs> well, we are back, huh? We're back. <laughs> Today, we have a very special, special, special guest, Mr. Jason. Hello everybody, this is me again, fucking Melvis, two years I've been waiting for this fucking voice note to come out, and I finally heard a little bird get back to me, well I just want to say thank you for playing my fucking voice notes, I waited two fucking years to hear it, but I gotta say it was one of the greatest days of my life. Anyways, I've had a lot of time to think of some new questions, so uh, I think I'll hit you, hit you with a good one right off the bat. Previously, I've had you build a scene in your mind. Uh, I'm gonna get you to do that one again for me, please. Uh, alrighty, here we go. You're on a plane. You look out of the window, and the fucking engines are on fire. You're over, you're over the fucking, uh, you're over the Bermuda Triangle, the plane's going down, you back out and you wake up on the beach, fact, you look to your left, you look to your right, there's nothing but coastline, and you look right behind you, and there's a big pack of fucking rabid gorillas, all of a sudden, running out of the forest, you see four cunts. Jagger Eaton, Bam Margera, Jeremy Rogers, and fucking Burberry Airy. Their arms are tied behind their backs, and they're running towards the gorillas as a sacrifice. Which one do you let go first? Let's hear it. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Can you believe we've had Melvis on the backburn for two years? For fuck's sake. Uh, Melvis, we need you <clears throat> at least every other week. Come on, man. We're so sorry that. Gotta put him on the payroll. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, man. That's a great question. Who are we sacrificing first to the gorillas? I mean, if they're all gonna die, like. Who cares? <laughs> I'm not too familiar with the last guy, Burberry. The last guy is 
one of those. He like skates in the fancy designer shoes and mm. designer clothes on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's the easy out. I mean, it's fucking simple for me, man. It's two and two. I'm trying to save Bam and Jeremy because they're skate royalty. You yeah. know, they've seen their ups and downs. But the other two, it's no sweat off my back, unfortunately. <laughs> like, I'm saving Bam and Jeremy and the other two, like... You gotta go, unfortunately, man. I I plead with the gorillas. If I give you two right now, can I keep the other two? Yeah, no, couldn't have said it better myself. Bam and Jeremy, that's like our era, you know what I'm saying? And the other two are this new era, and you know we're old heads these days, so it is what it is. Sticking to our own, you know what I'm saying? Thank you, Melvis, you fucking legend. Who the fuck still has a Hotmail email, too? This guy's fucking jokes. <laughs> we have the same last name, too. Unless it's like a fake email. <laughs> Melvis, certified oh. legend. All right, next up, we got an email from Sweet Baby T. Loudy. Sup, bump boys. Y'all ever notice that some of the voice notes people try to sound like Seifa slash Toronto mans by adopting the slang and way of talking? Shit kind of cracks me up, but I was wondering what you guys think of it and when, if you noticed it. Thanks, lads. Of course we've noticed it, man. That's just part of the Bunt family, Bunt gang out there. Just getting, I mean, me and Donald are just messing around when we, you know, put on weird voices and say dumb shit. And uh, it deters some people from listening to the pod. But we hope that you can uh, know that we're just messing around and eventually will grow on y'all. You know what I'm saying? I've seen some people say that over the years. Of they, they didn't understand it. They hated us at the start. And then eventually um, we grew on them. So it's all fun and games. And we appreciate when the people join in, man. And it still kills me that people say that. Like Even as recently as this week on Slap, someone said that they couldn't stand the accents, but they got through like, oh, thank you for for pushing through our terrible accents, but it's just just who we are, man. I can't apologize for being myself, you know? <laughs> Real shit, man. All right. Next up, we are so lucky to have another voice note from Melvis, and uh, it's titled To My Dear Friend Lou. Let's take a listen. Oh, shit. Hey guys, this is me again, Melvis. Um, I just heard a certain individual by the name of uh, Ludovic Lelinga running my name in his fucking mouth. Uh, I'm not too pleased about that. Yeah, not much of a rebuttal going on there, I have to say, but I'm going to have to tax you regardless for those deaded basketball takes. So, here's how it's going to go. Jew, if I ever catch you in the streets of Vancouver, best believe me and Lil Shorty Jackie McClellan gonna be pulling up to the Mandem crib, locked and loaded with a couple of belly clavers on, and we're gonna be dropping a big, fat, side-by-side dookie in the Mandem's plant pot, you get me? Yo, I feel like Melvis was cheese there. His his accent wasn't as uh, as exaggerated as his past voice notes. It was like his his real voice came out a little bit in anger. But uh, I love that. I actually screen recorded uh, that section of the uh, 
the pod and sent it to Jackie. Like, she's one of the sweetest girls of all time. You know, no. grew up with her. And I was like, hey, Jackie. Are you kidding me? I had to send it to her. I was dying. And then she wrote me back like, yo, she's like, y'all are disgusting. And I was like, how dare you include me in that? Like, at what point, <laughs> at what point did Why I shit you in that? your lawn? And she's like, like, I actually went back and forth with her. And she was finally like, I guess you're right. I'm like, of course I'm right. Like, I was just telling you what happened. Fucking including me. <laughs> oh, with my Greg's God. Uh, but Melvis, uh, you're a legend. Keep the voice notes coming, player. All right. Last email for the week. Coming in from Trevor Clark. What up, bump boys? My friend and I play this nerdy game where you have to connect the skaters. For example, if I were to say connect Theodos Beasley to Josh Wilson, you could say that Theodos skates for Baker and so does Reynolds. Reynolds skates for Vans and so does Justin Henry. And Justin Henry skates for Quasi. And so does Josh Wilson. You essentially <laughs> just have to build a chain that connects skaters, even if they're, even if they share no direct sponsors. I came up with a good one: Chris Millick and Greg Lutzka. It took my friend and I a solid 20 minutes to crack. You have to use the modern sponsors, nothing from back in the day. Would love to hear you guys try it. Also, throwing out requests for Sylvian, Tognelli, Logan, Lara, and Nate Jones episodes. You guys are the best. Much love. Um, well, yo, Theotis and Josh Wilson, you could connect way easier. They're both on Nike. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris Millick and Greg Lutzka. Um, Chris Millick skates for Frog. And I think he's on Last Resort. Who else is on Last? Like, who does Greg Lutzka still ride for? Darkstar? Was he on Darkstar? Yeah. He rides for Darkstar. I don't know what shoes he rides for. He rides for Darkstar and... Globe? Was he on Globe? No, not anymore. Remember he had the K-Swiss deal? Oh. Uh, but he rides for Darkstar and Rockstar Energy. And wait, who'd you say Chris Millick rides for? All I know is that he's on Frog and Last Resort shoes. Okay, so we just need someone off Darkstar. No cheating, man. Are you typing over there? I'm trying to find out who else he rides for. That's not cheating. Chris just says, it's just Frog, not even this. Let's get the answer to this next week. Wait, wait, wait what shoe sponsor does Chris Millick ride for? Last Resort, I thought. Oh. Um, I don't know who's on Last Resort. So Frog, Jesse Alba, <laughs> Jesse Alba. He's what shoes? as well. What shoes is he on? Is anyone on Rockstar on Stussy? He rides for Last Resort as well, I think. I think they both are. Okay, let's go. But Jesse rides for Stussy. And Cyrus Bennett rides for Stussy. Is there anyone Cyrus Bennett's connected to that? Well, he rides. Cyrus rides for Nike. Who's on Nike that's on Rockstar? Manny Santiago. Done. <laughs> I, I hope that's the right chain. Ah, we're out. All right, y'all. You know what to do. The Bun Live at gmail.com.
voice notes, emails, you name it. Melvis, baby, good to have you back. This is the Rundown, the skateboard world source for sports, brought to you by the one and only Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner, the only buzz. Man, it is pretty straightforward this week. Round one of the NBA playoffs is upon us. The play-in games lived up to everything we hoped they would be. Man, I would like to see some more playing games, to be honest with you. That do or die is, uh, it's got that game seven feeling in a game one. But uh, here we are, round one, prediction time. We keep in score, baby. We'll start in the West. Jazz, Mavericks, who you got? This is the hardest one, I think, because we don't know if Luka's going to be back for game two or three. Uh, the Jazz kind of seem ready to implode. So let's say Luca's back in game two. I could see the Jazz maybe winning today. Part of me wants to say Dallas in six, but I'm going to go Dallas in seven, man. Okay. Yeah, I feel the same way about the Jazz. I feel like they've had this same team and probably should have gone further or done more with them in years past. And now they've reached the point where... There's always been talks about the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert uh, relationship not being the greatest, and we're seeing it come to a head on the court. I'm going to go with Dallas as well, with or without Luka, man. I just feel like Dallas has that hunger that the Jazz just can't, uh, can't get going. Next up, a man who has quickly become a favorite here at Studio E, Pat Bev's Minnesota Timberwolves. Versus the Memphis Grizzlies. This should be a fun series. Um, but, yo, know, I think I just got to go Grizz in five, man. I'll in give, five? I'll give the, yeah, I'll give the T-Wolves. Yo, they were so good. I feel like everyone that's picking Memphis or the T-Wolves to put up a fight is suffering from recency bias. Let's not forget... The Grizz had the second best record in the entire NBA, man. And they were amazing with or without John Morant. They've got better depth. And they're just ready, man. They want that smoke. Grizz in five. Yeah, it's weird because the Grizzlies have been incredible, had a much better year than the T-Wolves. But I feel like the T-Wolves have the talent to to win a playoff round. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the T-Wolves, man. I just want to see Pat Bev carry this on this is more a pick with my heart instead of my brain uh <laughs> come on t-wolves man i just want to see pat bev win some more games dog i think we deserve it <laughs> next uh, up you're tripping next up nuggets and warriors it's a close one too i'm excited steph curry is back they're playing tonight i think yeah and I, I feel bad for the Joker, man. Last year, they somehow fucking beat... I, I shouldn't say somehow, but last year they beat the Blazers in round one because I was trying to remember last year's playoffs, and I'm like, wait, they didn't lose in the first round. They lost in the second round to the Suns. And I'm like, how the fuck did they get there with no Jamal Murray? And then I remembered that like the Blazers kind of imploded. Yeah. And, uh, man, he's doing it without Jamal Murray and without... 
fucking MPJ. Like, we love you, the Joker, but you ain't you ain't got a chance, man. I'm saying. <laughs> I want to say it's a sweep, but I'm going to give Denver one game just because Steph is playing for the first time in a while. And I don't. I think they've played very few. I think I saw that they played 11 minutes with their main guys this season. So Draymond, Clay, Steph, and like, I don't know who else you would, what, who else was involved in that stat, but yeah, the main starting five has played 11 minutes. So yeah. I'll give Denver a game because of that. I'd say the Nuggets are scrappy, man. I'm going to go with the Warriors, obviously. They just, I like this new Warriors team when everyone's healthy. Uh, they have the depth that they've been lacking in years past and the health they've been lacking. But the Nuggets just scratch and claw, man. And Jokic, he controls the pace. I'll say they win two games. Okay, okay. I actually like that. Like, because, man, you know, I love the Warriors and I was thinking they might be able to make the finals with clay and stuff but then obviously their season's been so up and down with injuries i'm happy that they have a series to start where they should win and that'll give them minimum four games to you know get their bearings before they have to potentially face a really good team in the next round i hope they don't have to but face- but who who is the really good team like unfortunately the suns but would they would the they're suns not facing the, next the, suns. the conference finals I think it depends on if everyone reseeds or if they do the like bracket style. I forget how they do it. Um, and l- if it's not the Suns, then they should win the next round too. Even if it's Luca's back with the Mavericks, the yeah, Warriors yeah. should beat Luca. That would be a great series to watch. Yeah. And then the winner of T Wolves Grizzlies, the Warriors should beat them too. Well, yeah, that okay. The Grizz, I could see beating the Warriors, and the Suns, I could see beating the Warriors. That's it. But like, I would hope that that happens in the conference finals. But I don't. I'm not sure what the bracket layout is. Okay, I have it here. So, so it would be Memphis. Ooh, Mem- see, it will be tough. Memphis versus the T Wolves, and then the Suns will get either the Mavericks or the Jazz. So. Honestly, the next one we're going to talk about is obviously Suns and Pelicans. Uh, That's going to be over quickly. And then they'll get Dallas-Utah winner, which is a nice matchup for the Suns as well. I mean, the Suns are primed, man. I don't think the West has ever looked this weak. (laughs) I know. It's funny because for a lot of the year, it was like the West was pretty deep and looking strong, but too many injuries, man. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're in a grant. It's over fast in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a. Well, who are they a, playing? The uh, the Pelicans. The Pelicans. Yeah. Do they win a game? Part of, part of me wants to give them a game if CJ just has one of those fucking epic games. But sometimes CJ struggles. We've seen CJ struggle mightily in the past when he's against like. A lanky defender so i guess it depends is mikhail bridges gonna be on ingram probably uh which would leave book on cj yeah so i guess i, I could see cj having one of those like 38 point games and then winning a game we'll see I don't, unfortunately i don't I'll, think it matters they all eat your 38 keep it moving yeah uh, yeah let me say that's a sweep right there man yeah all right, let's move over to the East. It's the Heat and the Hawks. 
Trey Young, man, he's built for this scenario. He absolutely loves being the villain. And he looked good doing it in Cleveland last night. I actually had Cleveland to win that game. They should have won. They fucking imploded at the end, but fuck <laughs> sakes. What do you say? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, I'm going to say the Heat in six. Yeah. I, you got to give Trey Young a game or two, especially at home in Atlanta. But you never know, honestly. Like... They get John Collins back. Hopefully, Capella's not hurt for that long. This is a team that, like you said last week, made it to the conference finals last year. So, this is... Uh, oh, shit. Not- I forgot Capella's hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, this is... If those guys come back, let's say Capella's back for, like, game two or three or something, and John Collins is back, I actually wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks won the series, but exactly. I'm going to still put some respect on the Heat and say Heat and six. Yeah, uh, the other easier one in the East is Milwaukee and Chicago. Chicago at full health, they may win a game or two, but Milwaukee is just gonna bulldoze right through these guys. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna say Milwaukee in five. And then the two most entertaining series, aside from Pat Bev and his clan. The Celtics and the Nets, man. This is nobody wanted the Nets, and the Celtics, one of the hottest teams in the league, got them, man. This is gonna be primetime TV. Who you got? This is maybe actually the hardest one. I said Dallas was the hardest one to predict, but this one, my brain is saying the Celtics are gonna win in six. Oh, my heart, my heart wants the Nets to win. Like, I just love watching Kevin Durant play basketball. Uh, so part of me wants to say the Nets in seven, but it's just super tough because now it's like, oh, Ben Simmons is targeting a return in game four mm-hmm. and Robert Williams is targeting a return. So those are two huge factors. Ben Simmons less so just because, I mean, I'm not expecting shit from him. Hasn't played in a year, but... Uh, this one's tough, man. I saw Kendrick Perkins put up his. <laughs> did you see his tweet where he put up his Eastern Conference predictions? Who do you have? Like whatever, all the number like game, Hawks and six or whatever he said. And then this one, he didn't. He just said Nets Celtics popcorn emoji. <laughs> he didn't even make a <laughs> prediction. It's a tough one, man. And but I'm gonna just go out and say Celtics in seven holy shit they they, they finish the job at home it's going to be an absolute war and unfortunately for the winner they're going to get milwaukee so it's not getting any easier but um man i'm gonna have to go with kd and Kyrie. man Kyrie is fresh as legs in the league he's played the the least amount of games they're motivated hardens out the team is deep whatever we get from ben simmons is just a little something extra on top so i'm gonna go with the nets and i hope it goes seven just for tv man for sure for sure I, well the only person with uh fresher legs than Kyrie is his teammate ben simmons <laughs> yeah but he's we'll fucking the guy's gotta hurt back somehow he hasn't done anything in forever uh yeah. anyways uh, i kind of hope he doesn't play Last but not least, our very own Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers. 
Shaq came out and said the Sixers are going to sweep T-Dot. I'm going to go ahead and say there's absolutely no chance that happens. And I truly believe the Raptors will win this series. And I think they'll do it in five or six, to be honest with you. Bro, this this game ain't five or six. Pick a number. I'm going Raps in six, baby. (laughs) So you stole my six. You stick me with five. I'll say five. Fuck it, man. This Raptors team is deep and they love playing together. And... Same can't be said about those overruns. They're going to start turning on each other. By game three, Embiid and Harden are going to turn on each other, and then it's over in that dressing room. Once Harden checks <laughs> out, it's a it's an absolute wrap, and I'll give him three games before he does it. Yo, the Harden's fucking done, man. If, if it doesn't work in Philly and they have some bad playoff exit, like if their raps beat them, oh. what's Harden going to do? Try and go to a new team, a third team? Oh, why wouldn't he'll just no, stay is, there? He's obviously, on his third team. Yeah, he's on his third team in three years. Is he gonna try and fucking hit a next one? Like, uh, and then the it's, other day he's coming out saying there's no pressure and shit. Like, it's he's too tripping, much man. pressure for them. It's yeah. honestly too much. I feel like Embiid shouldn't have inherited this pressure. You know, I feel like they yeah. would have been better off not making the trade and just running with the team they had than taking on Harden. They could have kept their depth. It could have just been completely on Embiid. And now he's inherited this James Harden pressure and the spotlight of having Harden there. It's not going to work out for them. And the Raptors are going to do it to him, man. Hell yeah. Dude, they could have... You know, CJ McCollum was available like all year. And look how good CJ's looking versus how Harden's looking. I think the trade was... They could have sent out Ben Simmons and gotten back CJ and Robert Covington. Instead, oh. they send out all their depth for Harden. He's just going to make shit. <laughs> and like, picks. They could have still had Seth. Yeah, they could have still had Seth Drummond and acquired CJ and Rocco, and that would have been a scarier team, in my opinion. Yeah. And so it's no, no depth team of shit. Well, it works out well for us. So just to be clear, I'm going Phoenix – Dallas, Golden State, the T-Wolves, the Heat, the Raps, the Bucks, and the Nets, man. Yeah, that's you? Yeah. Or you're the exact same, but you have Memphis over Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you write down like how many in how many games or does that even matter? You just added that little something extra on. Okay. <laughs> Did I write? Did I write down your picks? <laughs> well, you said you were tracking it. We were gonna check back. T wolves, baby. Bev Light. The city deserves it. You heard him. <laughs> All right, y'all. Can't wait, man. Catch you next week. Peace.